When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Three past nine here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, good morning to you. I hope the weekend has treated you well. Man, what a absolute uh, waterfall of sport that we had to enjoy over the weekend. Just stood under it and let it pour over you. Uh, we had, of course, uh, Rugby League World Cup quarterfinals. We had the Sevens World Series at Hong Kong. We had our own Rugby World Cup here in New Zealand. We had the All Blacks and the Wallabies and, and the Springboks and everybody else playing Northern Rugby up. Up north, we had the Phoenix in action yesterday as well. We had Mark Hunt finishing Sonny Bill Williams' boxing career. Uh, it was all on. Uh, and then, of course, the T20 World Cup. T20 World Cup and, yeah, man, uh, South Africa doing it again at a World Cup and doing their best Mama Cass impersonation and choking against the Dutch. What a win that was for the Dutch and allowed Pakistan in the back door. Will we be, will we be cursing that? Of course, we do have a pretty average history when it comes to Pakistan and World Cups and knockouts. Remember what happened last time we had a World Cup down this way that Australia didn't make the uh, the semi-finals of, and we ended up having to play Pakistan. Yeah, hopefully history doesn't repeat. We'll talk all of that and more coming up uh, later on in the show. We've got Brandy Alexander after 11. I'm going to talk Rugby League World Cup with him, Jacob Spoonley on Premier League and on the Phoenix and everything else as well. We're going to talk rugby now, though. A, a special guest, a very hard man to track down. Uh, we've been very lucky to get him uh, today. Uh, the uh, the great Israel Dag uh, joins us on uh, Mornings with Ian Smith. G'day, Izzy. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing a bit of overtime. They're probably like, oh, I've just had three hours of that voice, please. Can you someone else come on? But no, no, I'm staying on for you, Ricardo, and uh, going to talk some Wales All Blacks, mate. What yeah. a Yeah, what a performance. Surprising. It was surprising because, I mean, I talked to Hamish Stewart, who was covering the game for Talk Sport on Friday, and he seemed to think, you know, last year we had an understrength Welsh team. Uh, and the All Blacks yeah. won, but it wasn't a great performance. Now they have their strongest team available. I think they thought there was an outside chance, particularly given how we'd gone against Argentina and Ireland earlier in the season, that you know it could be the first win since 1953, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. Look, I was a little bit the same because well, there's just been so many changes. There's been lack of cohesion. We're still trying to understand what style of rugby we're trying to play. Um, our exits are still uh, relatively worrying. We're, we're constantly going back to the box kick. And if Aaron Smith doesn't get that right, we're just gifting opposition's uh, time with ball in hand in our own half. So that's still the question mark. But they, hey, they made so many 
uh, changes, particularly in defence. I thought defence really laid the foundation for them last uh, against Japan. Japan exposed us on the outsides, and and we lacked line speed, our ability to get up and really pressure the sides. But this week we made those changes. We got bodies in front of bodies, and we came forward and and really suffocated the, the Welsh team that has so many threats. And they had a lot of changes themselves with Gareth Anscombe coming in late. Dan Bigger was obviously a, a big loss for them as well. But they would have had a lot of confidence for what they've seen other teams do and the aura that's kind of been impacted over the last couple of, uh, couple of years. But, hey, the All Blacks, they came through and surprised many. And, um, yeah, I thought Artie Sevilla, like... <laughs> He's just phenomenal. He's got to be the best player in the world at the moment and uh, just really showed his cards of how important he is to this All Blacks team. I thought the other thing that we that stood out, mate, I mean, we'll talk about Aaron Smith uh, and a few others shortly, but it was just the balance of the Lucys. The balance of the Lucys probably looked better with Shannon at six, uh, Dalton at, at seven, uh, and Artie at eight than, than we've seen all year. Yeah, Shannon at six, he is a must. And we know we've been looking for, we had saying it every time, who's that going to be that Jerome Kaino that comes in and, and adds that real oomph at, at the sixth position? He is our guy. He does all the hard work. You know, he carries extremely well. He defends really good. He's another line-out option. He's a big man. So there's a genuine line-out um, option there for, for Sammy Whitelock and, and Scotty Barrett. So that, that loose four trio, and I think... Yeah, well, Sammy Kane's absence, and we never want a, an injury to, to play that part, but Dalton Papalihi really showcased his importance to this team, not only over the ball and his defensive prowess, but his ability with the ball. Look at him when he made that big break. He's got gas. He's an actual genuine ball player, and that's what you want from your Lucy's, not to be one dimension, to add something different. So, yeah, I think we've you've really cemented uh, our probably top loose four trio. Artie Savia, like, just so, so good. Don't even need to quit, uh, talk about him anymore. But, yeah, Dalton Papali'i uh, really had his best performance in the black jersey. If Ethan Blackadder comes back into the mix next year, I mean, he's a guy that can play Ooh. anywhere across that back three, really. You get um, Cullen Grace fit as well. You kind of do start wondering where Sam Kane fits in ahead of the World Cup next year, don't you? Yeah, it's a tough one for Sammy. Look, he got to think of what he's gone through in his body. Like, it'll be... You'd be stupid not to be apprehensive when you've broken your neck and you've broken your cheek and and you've had that many injuries around the head area. You know, mm. you'd be you'd be stupid not to be apprehensive when you're going into that breakdown. So there is a lot of competition there. And Ethan Blackheader was um, around the my house last week on Friday, and he's looking good, man. He's looking good. He's back running. His shoulders good. He's starting to get in some contact, and he's building uh, towards next season with uh, with the Crusaders. So yeah, I think the loose four trios really cemented another position. Ricardo is, is the 12 position, and there's been a lot of chat about Geordie Barrett, his his opportunity uh, at 12, and this is his second game running, and I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to believe that he is our genuine best 12 in that jersey, and the only um, downfall from that is, obviously with Will Jordan out, do we back Bodie Barrett to fulfil that, that fullback role? Mm. You know, we know how important he is, the class that he brings – but if all Jordan's fit and available, where does he fit? So, yeah, that, that, there's a couple of question marks there. Yeah, there is. And, and of course, Damien McKenzie, uh, who had a, a pretty mm. ordinary NPC, I think you've got to say, really put his hand up against the Wolfhounds as well. Is it a, yet, yet another option alongside Stephen Petafeta? So, seemed pretty blessed in that in that, that part of the field. 
we're very blessed at the ten position. Yep, Damien McKenzie. Oh, yeah, like you said, he he probably lacked a little bit of cohesion, confidence in that Waikato outfit, but he showed his class in that performance, his ability to be able to connect with another guy, Stevenson, who wasn't even amongst the All Blacks fifty. It wasn't unless Mark Talia made the All Blacks. He got the call up, and we just showed his class. And if he continues that form, surely he's got to be knocking on the door. And uh, and provide it. So, so look, there's there's still a lot of question marks. Like you you think before this morning, before England got beaten by Argentina, holy heck, I didn't expect that. But you think that's the really benchmark where we see where this All Blacks team is at. If they can go to Twickenham, they've got Scotland this week. That's going to be a tougher outing at Murrayfield. We know how difficult that is. But going to Twickenham and taking on England, that'll be the benchmark to see where this all that side is at, and if they're able to regain that aura that's kind of been dented over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's the other thing I was going to ask you about, Geordie Barrett, really showing some leadership as well. I mean, like, the guy played 12, uh, and but turned up at the back on defence, turned up on the wing to score that try that was like, a, you know, he was an AFL <laughs> ruckman. Uh, you know, he, he, he did all sorts. Of, but towards the end, you know when he scored his second try? And he was in yep. behind the forwards, giving them a bollocking and, you know, sort of getting in and, and getting in their face and telling them to do this and do that. Showing real leadership from Geordie Barrett. That's his, that's his game. I feel like 12 suits him really well because he's a direct player. He loves the physical area, and you want a 12 that's dominant and physical and doesn't shy away from the contact. But he's also a, also a genuine ball player. You, you know, you look at Maha, he had that triple threat down packed. He could kick, he could run, and he could set up his, his outside back. So that's what Jordy Barrett does, and, and that's why I love him at 12 because he's, he's, he's in amongst it. He can run straight. And that line, you look at that trial when he connected up with his brother, he was talking to his forwards, he was talking to his forwards, but it would have been easy for him to to, to kind of run a cross field, but he actually ran in between those two defenders, and that had to make that, that last defender make a decision. Does he stay out and, and stay on his wing, or does he come in? And he was caught in two minds, and so that was just perfect from Geordie Barrett, his directness that he offers at 12. Um, so, yeah, look, you never want injuries to give up other opportunities uh, you know, other players an opportunity, and that's what David Harvey has done now. I love Davey, and he's one of my best mates, but it's going to be difficult for him now. So does Rico Iwani fulfil that 13 role? Does he retain his role at 13, or is there another role? Because Anton Leonard-Brown, we know his class that he brings. Does he put pressure on that midfield option? Mate, I'd hate to be the coaches having to select that team every week. Well, and then and then if Jack Goodhue gets fit, I mean, you know, there's there's options oh. on options at the moment, mate. It's, uh, it's really looking that way. Do you think um, Aaron Smith's back to his best? I mean, he had the pressure put on him by Finlay Christie, um, and, and now he's had pressure put on by Brad Weber, but it, it looks like he's uh, he's back to somewhere near his best. Oh, most capped back of all time now, 113 caps he's taken over from Dan Carter. Look, uh, he doesn't look like he's slowing down. There was a little bit of question marks about his running game, whether he's got the speed and his ability to beat uh, that first and second defender. That's hugely vital for any team going forward. If they can commit those first guys around the ruck, that can allow their ball players, the forwards that are, that are running off um, nine, to do their thing. And on the weekend, from his run, that try was just, I don't know how he scored it. He sh- there's no way in hell, if I was the Welsh defence coach and I've let go of Sean Edwards, and we mm. had a wonderful pundit on earlier this morning, Lauren, and she was talking about it, they let Sean Edwards go, and they focus solely on their attack, while well, their defence was poor. There's no way any halfback should get through there. Look, Nagy is an experienced player. He knows how to play the game. He's been there in big moments. He's won World Cups. I've got I've got all faith in him. 
But it's that second choice. Like, who is our second choice now? You've got Falau Fakatari, you've got Finlay Christie, who's fallen from grace. They've brought in TJ Pitt and other and dropped Brad Weber to the second team. That is the question mark, is who is going to be able to... Because we, we want Aaron to play 80, yeah. but it's tough week in, week out. If he gets an injury, can that second string or the second person come in and carry on the role that Aaron's, Aaron's doing at the moment? That's the only question mark uh, about that situation at the moment. I wondered whether or not, you know, because if you think about Phil, uh, we've had Finlay and uh, Falau in the All Blacks mix all season, right? And ahead of TJ and Weber. But those two guys, you know, have grown up idolising Aaron Smith. So how yep. much are they, how much in their heads, it's a bit like Wales of the All Blacks, can we beat these guys? Can I take his jersey? Whereas you get someone like Brad Weber in the mix and he's like, I want that jersey, I've had that jersey, I, yeah. know, I know I can be better than this guy. Is, there a, is it a change of mentality having those guys in the camp pushing Aaron Smith, do you reckon? I think, I think yeah, like there's, a, there's an amount of respect there you've got to have for, for the leader and the guy that's done it, the incumbent. Mm. But Deep down, they want to do everything possible to take that jersey. And that's the mentality that TJ brings. He's the best on the field every time in his mind. He, he's the most competitive bugger I've ever met. Um, so that's the kind of mentality these young guys have to have. And Falau Fakatava, look, I'd love to know the situation and what the coaches are, are feeling towards Falau because I feel like he is an absolute game-breaker and someone that can offer something different. But there's still question marks over his game awareness and his ability to take a game by con- and control it really well. Um, so I'd love to see him get a, an opportunity, Ricardo. I'd love to see him just really maybe this week come off the bench or, or even have a start when you, you're playing a Scotland team. It, that are quality, and, and they, they showed that on the weekend when they um, put in a performance. But, um, yeah, I'd just love to see if we do have the opportunity to, to allow him to give him a chance and see if he can take this control and show some experience and some, some confidence in the coaches. Yeah, I mean, it'd be uh, be good to see. I mean, it's plenty of. Cho- You'd rather have too many choices than not enough, is he? I suppose you know from an All Black <laughs> point of view. What about the hooker situation? Mm. The hooker situation. And I was listening to Karma on Sunday talking about um, Samasoni Tokiaha. I was kind of talking like he's probably not our our, our best hooker. And I was like, Are you serious? I, I actually, I think he's, I think he's our best hooker. And he was talking about the game that he's playing. He's he's doing all the the fancy stuff well, but it's his core roles really none well. I, I think he is by far our best hooker in that role. And at the moment with Cody Taylor, they're trying to find uh, someone because Dane Cole's calves are letting them down. You yeah. can't rely on a or more and Samasoni Tukuyaha going forward to win us the World Cup. So you need someone there with a bit of experience. I think that's why they're tinkering with Cody at, at Hoku, mm. who nailed his role on the weekend. Yeah. But his, um, it was his best, yeah, it was his best performance in a black jersey this year, I think, for Cody. Yeah. He had a really good Super 12 um, but then fell yeah. off a little bit when it came to the All Black season. Here's a question for you, Izzy. So you've got you know, Brody McAllister, good young uh, hooker. George Bell, very young hooker, but also good. In the semi-final of the NPC, Kurt Eklund, who'd been great for the Blues all season, out outplayed both of those players and yet isn't in either team. I mean, he's only 30. What's he done wrong? And he gives you that, maybe that bridge between, a, you know, a Samasoni Takiyaho and a Cody Taylor in terms of experience as well. Look, at, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one because... How, how much do you draw on it? Because we've, we've already seen with 
some of the selections and for the All Blacks 15 and players that missed out and it's and you got to think it's only probably three blokes opinion and I think that at the moment Kurt Eklund's probably not favouring some of the, the coaches opinions and what they see from him for me I think he's a phenomenal player and he does every single thing that's that is asked of him um Yes, you're dead right. Falau Fakatava's injured. What am I even thinking? He's not even there. <laughs> but hey, go get that injury right and uh, and build for next season. Um, but yeah, Kurt Eklund, I think, look, he's just got to keep tripping away and keep knocking on that door. Asafo Amor thoroughly deserves his opportunity. He was phenomenal for the Wellington Lions, and he's getting back to his best, his running game. His only question marks is his line-out. And that's where Samasoni uh, uh, really relishes at the moment. His line-out, his core roles are so, so good. So Kurt Eklund's just got to keep knocking on the door and, and, and hopefully um, you know he will get his opportunity shortly yeah fingers crossed uh, just quickly as mm. before you before you go mate the, I know you would have talked about it this morning uh, but Argentina beating England uh, David Kidwell <laughs> and Michael Checker the, the the dynamic duo doing <laughs> it again what about Czech mate like he's just coached Lebanon over the Rugby League World Cup and then a week later goes to Twickenham and inspires a, an Argentina side to get up against uh, an English side look I love it I love it, and that's the thing with with this rugby uh, competition at the moment. Is anyone on their day? There's only two teams who I think uh, are well above the rest, and that's Ireland and France. And even France nearly got pushed right to the end against Australia. Argentina, they they are forced, and whatever Michael Checker does, never been coached by him, but a lot of all accounts I've heard is he's inspiring. He and it just shows kind of the role that a that a head coach brings to an outfit they don't probably do a lot tactically and technically on the field but they do a lot with the culture the team building the team environment inspiring you go from playing league totally different game to rugby and you a week later you're inspiring a Lebanon team to go and play Australia and they obviously lose and then you go inspire an Argentina side they're totally different languages this thing about that they probably don't even understand what he's saying but to inspire them to get the job done it's it's awesome mate and uh yeah check He's a special man. Well, big pressure will be on Eddie Jones too, because you imagine going into that last oh. test of the of, of November when they play the All Blacks. If they lose two at Twickenham this in this this series, mate, all the pressure is going to be right on him. What do they do with Eddie? What do they do with Eddie? It's been a long time now. He's been at the helm for a while now, and he hasn't. Yeah, you know, they're a results-driven outfit, the English Football Rugby Union, and he hasn't probably got the results that they're after. And this one will probably just really get the question marks gone and, and start questioning his ability and whether he is the team. You know, you've got to have the locker room in the back room and and if you're losing against Argentina at Twickenham, that is their home. That is the home of rugby in England. Um, you know, the questions will be asked. So, yeah, well, watch the, watch the media. I'll tell you what, Stuart Barnes will be firing tax his way this week. Look yeah. forward to those articles coming out. Well, mate, we're always wondering. We're, we're all wondering what Scott Robertson's next move might be. Well, we'll tell you what, it oh, might. Oh. Don't, don't, Ricardo. I knew you got to bring that up. T- <laughs> you think his his value in the pound has doubled or tripled right now? I think exactly. So. He'll be laughing, mate. He'll be laughing. Good stuff, is he? Yeah. Thanks for doing some overtime with us, bro. It's always good to talk code nah. with you. Easy, easy, Ricardo. You have a great day, lads, and uh, yeah, enjoy. It. And Dad's come through. Just bit small. Is he? Yes, Dad, I know. I've yeah. got a bit small. Okay, okay. bit small. Have some fun-sized <laughs> bets, is he? It's like those Snickers, those small Snickers bars, not the whole Snickers bar, right? Oh, I love chocolate, Ricardo. You know that. That's why it's called fun size. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Izzy Dad, yeah, right. uh, doing the extra time with us out of uh, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast and helping us out cover for Jamie Wall, who was unavailable, unfortunately, out of a card of... Uh, 
keen for your calls though, your take on things we've been talking about the rugby from the weekend we haven't even got to the black ferns or the black caps or the kiwis or the kiwi ferns who played this morning, so much sport to talk, 0800 150 811 is our number or double eight double three the temper bedpost text machine Smithy's Cricket Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Yeah, 9.26 here on SENZ. Some uh, big results coming out of the T20 World Cup this weekend. Uh, and I think uh, one of the biggest of those had to be yesterday when the Dutch, the Netherlands, who were you know, had to play in the play-in tournament, uh, and I don't think anybody expected to make too much of a dent, uh, beat the South Africans. They put on 158 for four in their 20 overs. They went pretty well. Um, our good friend of the show, Sam Ackerman's cousin Colin, scoring 41 not out for the Dutch. Uh, Stephen Myber at the top with 20, uh, 37. Max O'Dowd, the Kiwi, uh, with 29 as well. Uh, and they really put the pressure on the South Africans on a pitch in Adelaide that was slow and hard to score against. And they, they really just uh, put the throttle on uh, the South African batsman from the start and there was uh, some great performances there with the ball as well from the Dutch. They really um, you know, put the strangle or hold on them. Logan Van Beek, another guy that's played plenty here as part of that bowling attack and that the loss from South Africa meant it opened the door for the Pakistanis to get in and what did the Pakistanis do? Yeah, they beat Bangladesh, beat them comfortably in the end with 11 balls to spare. So this is what it means now for the T20 World Cup semi-finals. Semi-final one is Wednesday at the SCG between New Zealand and Pakistan, and then Thursday at the Adelaide Oval, it's England versus India. Who you got? Who do you reckon? Give us a text, double eight double three. Who's going to get through? Double eight double three is the text line between New Zealand, Pakistan, England, India. I mean, as much as I want us to get there, how how juicy would a Pakistan India final be? Ooh, that would be uh, that would be something else. Of course, uh, New Zealand didn't have it all their own way. Either. They had to play Ireland and beat Ireland, and they did it, and they did it reasonably comfortably in the end. But a shout out to this bloke who did something pretty special. Nice and close to the stumps, but he drags his length down and he's hit high to deep backward square coming around, taking it. Very good catches, the lady, I think. Two hands around chin height. Jimmy Nisham is Plum LBW first ball. Full of length, swatting right across the line, and it's thundered into his back leg. Mitchell Santner on strike. Oh, big shot for LBW, he's got it, yes he has. Would you believe it? Richard Ellingworth puts the hand up. You wouldn't save him because that's just as plum. Satnikon and a hat trick to Josh Little. Hat trick indeed on the World Cup stage as well for Josh Little of Ireland. Well done, that man. That is a superb performance on the biggest stage of them all in a game that you weren't supposed to win, but man, they were competitive. They pushed the Black Caps all the way, so congratulations to the Irish and their showing at that T20 World Cup. It's coming up 9.30 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. We're going to take your calls after the latest in news and sport right here with Aroha. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 811. 
28 away from 10 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. It is talkback time and uh, caller of the month could win an Oklahoma Joe's Black Jack Charcoal Kettle Grill thanks to Aber Living. A few texts have come through. Uh, stop looking outside the 23. For most positions, there are two or three options. We have chosen move forward. Consistency is the key now. That's from Peter. Thanks for your text, Peter. Yeah, I've been, I, I hear what you're saying, but 23 isn't enough to win a World Cup. You need more. And I don't know that you can put faith in Dane Coles as our third hooker, given he'll nearly be 37 come the World Cup next year, uh, and he's injured yet again. Uh, and we don't seem to have an out-and-out third option at the moment. So I think it is st- still worth the conversation. We can get your thoughts on who that hooker should be. Should it be Kurt Eklund, or do you think it should be someone else? And why is Kurt Eklund out of the picture? That is a question that Graham might be able to answer from Christchurch. G'day, Graham. how are you? Uh, I haven't got the answer. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> But I've got plenty of opinions, as you know. But, uh, yeah, great interview with Izzy. Um, stepping up for um, J- J- Jamie Wall, and you're stepping in for Smithy. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, the, with the selections, you know, and, and obviously the performance by the All Blacks, I mean, I thought it was outstanding. Um, you know, the Welsh were a better side on paper than what they were last year. I mean, when we played them, you know, it was just over a year ago in the same ground. So, I mean, that was, was a big step forward. But I think, you know, just a a couple of things, you know. I think, really, I think the hookers. Well, I think, I think Cody Taylor, you know, obviously got back as mojo, you know, um, and that and that's great because you know he had a, he had his, you know, uh, ch- challenges earlier in the, um, you know, against Argentina and that. So, you know, I think he, him and Samasoni, you know, I think personally, I think they're lock-ins, and I think if, you know, the Wellington hooker Armoat, you know, I I personally think. <laughs> At this this time would be my my you know three choices in terms of um, those positions. I, I just think Dane Coles, it's just time to let him go. And the same goes with Sam Kane. Um, you know, sadly for him, I know he's given it his all, but I, I personally think Sam Whitelock now as captain would be a better lock-in. Um, excuse the pun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just think he. Uh, yeah, I just think he just brings that presence. Of mind, um, you know, as captain, you know, and, and you know, and obviously Artie's playing so great, you know, he was probably the the next choice outside of him. Yeah, I just think, yeah, and the other positions like Ethan Blackadder, you're saying, you know, he'll come back, and Cullen Grace, obviously next year, and I think, you know, they'll make the uh, the All Black squad for the World Cup. Ethan will be a certainty if if he's fit, and I think Cullen Grace should be there as well. And but you got those three Lucys, you know, Papaletti and. Frizzell and obviously Savia did brilliantly against the Welsh, you know, I think that, you know, you need depth, and, and you know, that probably the text is right, Peter, um, saying, you know, about you need more than just the 23, because you don't know who's going to get injured either, but, you know, that, you know, those conversations are good, because some people were saying last year, or earlier this season, we, you know, we didn't have the depth, or we've lost the players overseas to Japan, which is partially true, but I think... You know, I think, you know, there's a bit more clarity where we were going, you know. Not to say that, you know, it's a long road ahead still. Yeah, it is. It's still a long way to go, mate. And as you said, we've got plenty of options in the loose. You know, you've got to think that Akira Yuani is still an option there as well. You know, Luke Jacobson, they seem to like. Uh, he's always seems to be sort of there or thereabouts in the mix. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, there's 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 a few. And then when Scott Barrett's back, uh, you know, he and Tupu Vai can both play six if they need to. So what will they do? Hoskins Satudu's had a bit of game time this season as well. Uh, certainly uh, not struggling. At that uh, at, at that position, mate, and as you say, Ethan Blackadder. So, yeah, it's really the heat is on um, Sam Kane to get fit and, and prove that he can 
put a string of games together because nothing against the bloke. He sacrificed a lot for the black jersey, uh, but he seems to be getting knocks here, there and everywhere. And I, I don't know that he, a bit like Dane Coles, that you can trust them to be able to get through a whole tournament without picking up an injury like that. But thanks for your call, Graham. Appreciate it. No worries. Yep, yep. Cheers. Cheers. Another text come through as well. Double eight, double three from Mark. There is no way the All Blacks are winning the World Cup. Mark my words. Thanks for that, Mark. Now, double eight, double three is the tip of bedpost text machine. It's a good way to get in touch with us, but it doesn't put you in the draw for the Oklahoma Joe's Black Jack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Thanks to Able Living, you need to call us on 0800 150 811 to get in that draw, and that's exactly what Chris from Tauranga has done. G'day, Chris. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, good yourself? Yeah. Yeah, good, thanks. So just a couple of things. Um, uh, yeah, I think, um, personally, I think Sam Kane might have played his last game for the All Blacks with the depth that we have and, and Dalton's performance, uh, just not only over the ball and, and uh, in defence, but with ball in hand, which Sam doesn't seem to be doing lately. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, the mix just looked unreal. Just uh, everyone was doing the job. The balance was perfect, whereas the, it looked like in the past Artie seemed to be covering a bit for um you know different people he could just do his own role running the ball and and uh you know i thought it was fantastic but um uh, it was a good performance and and um one they should be pretty proud especially with england getting beaten overnight by argentina was a bit of a shock yeah i mean it was a, that was a great result i mean i don't know about you but yeah is, the, is there another rugby team on the planet that you love to see lose more than the england rugby team is i mean for kiwis i think no. it's between them and the Sapphires generally isn't it yeah, and um, it's, it even goes as far as the sporting team. It's probably between them and the Aussie cricket team. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, you know, I'm um, with you there. Um, and, listen, on the women's game, I thought it was a really, really good game. Good, um, you know, if we can fix our clean-out, I think, uh, you know, uh, the girls look really, really good. But for me, Stacey Fuller looked like, um, you know, that period you have in your game where you um, there's a couple of years in your, in your game where everything seems to go slightly slow motion and around you and you have a little bit more time. Mm. I think she's uh, right in that mix at the moment. She just looks brilliant um, and uh, and quite a bit ahead of some of the others around her. So um, yeah, I think she's yeah top of the game. She looks, looks really, really good. So hopefully uh, I mean the midfield with uh, Fitzgerald and, and her you know, and, and outside it just looks Really good if we can if we can work out that breakdown. I think we can give England a big fright. So. Yeah. Well, that's that. What did you make of the England performance against Canada? I think the Canadians gave them way more trouble than they were expecting. Look, I've got to be honest. I uh, went off and played golf, so I missed it. Um, I haven't seen the replay of it yet. So, um, but yeah, Canada obviously gave them. You know, managed to score some points against them. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll have a look at that and um, see where where they did that. But uh, yeah, I was really pleased with the um, with. Uh, uh, the girls or the women's performance, so yeah, it was really yeah, good. It was um, good. The, the one thing that I, I would, um, and I was talking to um, Jamie Wall about this over the weekend was the was was Kendra, who's one of our most experienced players. You know, um, opting in the last four minutes, we're up by one point to tap and go rather than kick to the line and kill the clock. You know, um, you know that was a bit of a head scratcher for me. But she seemed, I don't know if that's just her following game plan and hey, this is what we're going to do every time because that's how we're going to play, uh, or just getting overexcited because of the occasion. Yeah, it was interesting. Smithy in the press conference said, um, uh, I think the kicking game might be my mistake because uh, I've told them to run everything and they seem to have really listened to it and forgotten about any sort of chance of kicking game, you know, which was quite interesting because they are. They're, they're, you know, I mean, um, it, it looks good, but it, there's a little bit too much sevens in there, isn't there? You know, mm. that just at times there's a little bit 
tap and go everything, um, throw everything. Uh, I think they probably need to have a little bit of a kicking game against England just to take some territory because England will make you pay if you make a mistake, I think. Whereas, um, yeah, uh, I mean, France looked good. And, uh, you know, right down to that last kick where every hoodoo under the sun, we were all probably chanting as she was lining up the kick. But, um, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty nervous times, mate. What else uh, stood out for you this weekend, Chris? Oh, so the cricket was uh, really interesting, you know. Um, uh, all of a sudden, we we could have been playing Bangladesh for, you know, <laughs> from playing South Africa to, uh, you know, at one stage we were, we could have been playing India or South Africa or um, Pakistan. And um, Pakistan have looked a bit scratchy of late, but they're such a good side. Um, yeah, I I, I, don't, I think I would have preferred to play. South Africa, personally, but um, yeah, Pakistan, we can we can beat them and get into a final. And and the other one uh, just depends on who's there, who's on their um, their day really on the game of the day, England or um, India. You know, they uh, that's that's a pretty good matchup, really. So yeah, I think a good game. I think Adelaide will probably favour India just looking at the way that that pitch played yesterday because it was a bit slower and slower, wasn't it? And it was pretty hard to get yeah. the ball away at times. Yeah, it was, but uh, you just never know about those England openers. If they get away, um, they can set some sort of target. But you're right, it was a bit slow and hard to get away. Yeah, yeah. And as for the league, um, the league was uh, scratchy, but Manu's an incredible player, isn't he? You know, I mean, he's, he's, it, we almost need him at centre, but you can't afford not to have him at fullback with the work rate he does, you know, at fullback. So, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, against Luttrell... Um, You'd love to have a good tidy centre to tidy it up, but you can't afford not to have him at fullback. So yeah, um, it's yeah. interesting actually where um, Michael Maguire's gone at centre because he's gone to Britain Cora uh, and Peter Hicku both the last couple of games. But I thought Sebastian Chris was probably nailed on our best centre, but he hasn't seemed to be there. So uh, I guess it depends what what he decides to do. Maybe he's looking at it more as a defensive centre in Britain Cora rather than somebody that can break a game and leaves that to Joey Manu to inject himself. Yeah, yeah, I suppose uh, the Australian centres are so dangerous that, um, you know, perhaps you do have to try and do a defensive centre. Um, Hiku looks a little bit um, scratchy in defence just in the last couple of games, but he's, uh, I mean, he had an incredible year, so you're not going to go away from him. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, I'm not so sure about the league anymore. I sort of, uh, you know, was quite hopeful going into the tournament. They just don't look as sharp. Hopefully they, it all clicks on the day because... Every one of those players has played, uh, just about every one of those Kiwi players has been on top of their game all year, so um, hopefully it all clicks for them in the in the semi. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Good stuff, Chris. Thanks very much for your call, bud. Go well. Uh, yeah, have a good day. See yeah, ya. you too, mate. Uh, 0800 150 811 is our number. And Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill, thanks to Ava Living, up for grabs for our caller of the month. So make sure you do give us a call. I have had a couple of texts come through as well. Hey, Rick Dog, as you know, Cup Day at Addington is the biggest racing event in New Zealand. The only thing I think they should do is put on a concert or something similar at the end of the races. Imagine after the last race they get shapeshifter in front of the main stand and get the crowd humming. How good. It's like Paddy is well and truly amped for Cup Day tomorrow, doesn't it, Logan? Would there be, uh, I'm just trying to think, Cup Day. How how are the legs at the end of Cup Day? Would you be able to stand in a mosh pit or anything? Or in, you know, well, it, would you be able to stand full stop? <laughs> exactly. Some, some of the sights I've seen in Christchurch at Cup Day, yeah. 
that well that's my point I, I love the idea I mean make it a whole big festival don't just you know obviously make it big on racing and then make it a party afterwards yeah no, that sounds a great idea Paddy we'll put you in touch with the organisers I'll pass your phone number on maybe you can uh, you can you can get on the entertainment committee Paddy yeah I love it another one there through on the uh, Temper Beer Post text machine there Ricardo big win for the Wellington Phoenix of course Brian comes in there he put $20 on the Wellington Phoenix to win the competition last week as he's just had a look now and still can't believe that they're paying 51 to win the competition and he's doing this on the back of uh, how good they've looked against well I mean obviously there's issues there giving up soft goals as uh, Ufok would say but you know looked good against Melbourne City amazing against MacArthur yesterday Ricardo. Yeah I can't understand uh, I'm not sure who was setting the odds for the TAB whether they were set here or whether they're copying uh, one of the you know because they often trade uh, information with the Australian or UK websites. But they were dead last at the beginning of the season, the Phoenix, in the uh, betting for, uh, in the odds to win the win the tra- championship. And I looked at that squad and I was like, this is a better squad than last year and we made the playoffs last year. Um, you know, and you looked at it and you could argue that Perth were going to be worse. You could argue that uh, Central Coast were going to be worse. You could argue that Newcastle were going to be worse. You know, you could argue all of those things. And uh, yet there we were. So uh, yeah, I couldn't get my head around those those um, those numbers. So good on you, Brian, for getting on at that price. You know, one thing you can't argue, Ricardo. Yeah. What's that? Is the passion that Daniel McCarty has when he calls <laughs> Wellington Phoenix games. If you missed it, here's some of the best bits. Just outside the area, he'll find uh, Elliot, the right fullback. Early ball into bold. Olds header across the face of goal. Hits the post and goes in. What a finish to the half. Benold, just his second goal in the A-League, and it's a sumptuous header to make it 1-0 to the Wellington Phoenix. So there's a wall, two walls in behind. Look at this. Now one wall advances in front of the other wall, and Lewis Benson into the top corner! An absolute worldie! From Clayton Lewis, it may have kissed him off the crossbar. He doesn't care, he celebrates the Phoenix back in front. Two goals to one, how good, David! You won't see better than that. That's a fantastic goal from Clayton Lewis. It starts outside the right hand upright, curls its way in, ricochets or cannons off the crossbar. Curto, no chance. Wellington Phoenix, two. MacArthur, one. Experienced defensive midfielder stands up. The Phoenix, nice triangles. Gives it back to uh, Sutton, who sent it across oh, to Wayne, who just, hooks it into the net. But is he offside, David? Just wait for the VAR on this. I'm going to say onside, Daniel. I'm going to say goal. I'm going to say 3-1. But the goal will stand. What's that called? When ambition goes beyond capability. Your dream. That's what oh, that is. what a pass out of defence from Ollie Sale finding Barbarousas. He rolls it into the area. Balls in behind. Oh, unselfish from Paul. Across the face of the goal. And Koyev makes it four. What a goal on the counter for the Wellington Phoenix. Put a knife in MacArthur FC. It's four goals to one. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Daniel McCarty, part of uh, our Saturday session um, show as well with Grant Elliott. And I'm part of the chat group for that because he used to produce it. And boy, Daniel McCarty did not let Grant Elliott forget that South Africa had choked in that game against the Dutch. He was... Firing, hey, uh, I don't want to play Pakistan. Also, don't choke on your dinner tonight, Grant, was one of the messages he sent through. So <laughs> as you can imagine, that's getting quite spicy. Yeah, indeed. South Africans are unbelievable. In the box seat, and managed to choke on that. And they would have loved playing us in the semi-final, given what happened in the last warm-up game when they rolled us for under 100.
Well, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, let's give credit where credit is due to Grant Elliott. Of course, we had him on the show on Friday, Ricardo. You were picking uh, Glenn Phillips to be the top run scorer for the Black Caps. Grant's pick, Kane Williamson. Yeah, came in too. Well done. Question for you is, and maybe you want to give us a call on this on 0800 150811 or text us on 8833. There's a lot of question marks about Kane Williamson and T20 cricket. Is he suited to it anymore? I mean, his strike rate last season in the IPL was under 100. It was about 93. His average was only about 19. This year for the Black Caps hasn't been good either, but a great performance. It was against Ireland, and it's one performance. Is he back? What do you think? Let us know. Double eight, double three on Captain Kane. He steadied the ship against the Irish for sure. Can he do it through the rest of this tournament with 12 away from 10? On SCNZ. Seven away from 10 o'clock here on SENZ. A few texts through on double eight double three. Uh, New Zealand will win and will play uh, India in the final. There's uh, one text through. Uh, no name on it, though. When you do text through, please do chuck your name on it so we can give you the credit uh, for your uh, information and uh, tips that you're putting through. And, yeah, so there's somebody picking a New Zealand-India final. Keen to hear what you think is going to happen to the T20 World Cup there. Uh, this one from Brian. Morning, Ricardo. The All Black forwards laid a great platform, which we have been waiting for. A lot of doubt before the game, but they couldn't have done much more. Just aside, though, uh, weren't Wales woefully inconsistent performances, uh, and that's par for the course at the moment. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we go against Scotland. That might give us a better barometer for the All Blacks. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, coming up uh, to 10 o'clock here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, this text came through on double eight double three the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, this one from Chris. Uh, shout out to Kane Williamson. Without him, we might have been struggling a bit. Are uh, you talking about the Ireland game, Chris? I assume you are. But uh, yeah, no, he went well in that Ireland game. And uh, I'd been critical of him and uh, asking whether or not I thought that the T20 game had got too much for him in terms of being able to go go early and and go big. But uh, he answered it against Ireland. Can he do it on the big stage? Can he be consistent? And can he do it against one of the bigger teams like Pakistan on Wednesday, who we have in that semi-final? Keen to hear from you on that. We'll talk more about that with the panel in the next hour. And Jacob Spoonley's going to join us. We're going to talk English Premier League and the Wellington Phoenix with him after the latest in news and sport. 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Kia ora, good morning. I'm Aroha Hathaway with SENZ News. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern says she's taking the latest poll figures with a grain of salt. The News Hub Read Research poll shows Labour's dropped 59 to 32.3% support well below the National Party on 40.7%. The Prime Minister says internal polling shows the two parties are actually neck and neck on News Hub. In that environment, we're getting lots of competing different information. Instead of focusing on the difference in the polls, I focus on our people. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Three past ten. Good morning to you. I hope uh, the weekend treated you well. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for him. Uh, coming up, we have a panel at around 20 past ten. Uh, we're going to discuss all sorts with Ben Strang and Aidan McLaughlin, including the Black Ferns, the All Blacks. We'll talk uh, Sonny Bill Williams' boxing career being finished by Mark Hunt and the T20 World Cup as well. Before we get there, though, let's talk football with Jacob Spoonley, former All Whites keeper, football commentator extraordinaire as well. Morning, Jacob. How are you? Good morning, Ricardo. I'm good. I'm in the car with uh, Sky Sports key asset, Warren Paladin, being driven from the airport. It's a wonderful thing, mate. We've had Creed on, so the energy is up for Monday. It's good. Oh, with arms wide open, Spoons, much like you looking at your defence going, how the hell did he get one-on-one with me? Well, no, more like me putting my body on the line and uh, giving them my sacrifice. I see, I, I see. Like that. Yeah, 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 nice, nice. Uh, so good weekend in, in, in Wellington, and uh, uh, good to see that Sky Sport have splashed out. You've got a driver, so you and Goran in the back with the uh, the caviar, is it? <laughs> well, well, the driver is, uh, dri- is is picking you up from the uh, from the VIP entrance at the airport? No, no, uh, we're, we're cruising around in the Paladin uh, Kia Sportage, a uh, very comfortable ride. Um it's a oh, Seltos, sorry, I've been corrected. Kia Seltos. So if there's any sort of partnerships that are wanting to be explored, I'm sure Goran's over to them. No, mate, Goran would, uh, Goran is certainly a man who, who doesn't mind an advert. Was it, what was it, was it Panadol that he was doing for a while? I can't remember one that he, that he turned up on for a while there. Could use a couple of Panadols this morning, uh, yeah, uh, Ricardo. It was, um, it was a good evening last night to celebrate a really good performance from the Wellington Phoenix and a couple of panadols this morning wouldn't go miss. Yeah, well, as a true professional, you've managed to get this uh, chat back on track to what we're supposed to be talking about, which is football. <laughs> uh, the, a great performance from the Wellington Phoenix, mate. A 4-1 win over MacArthur FC side, who were in the top four at the start of the round. And, I mean, I think we've seen signs of this early in the season. They just hadn't quite been executing their shape looked a bit better defensively. They were a little more sound, and, and that opened opportunities when MacArthur pushed forward in the second half. Yeah, they needed to really provide themselves with a much stronger defensive foundation. Uh, eight goals in four games simply wasn't good enough, and we touched on that previously. Um, so we saw that in the first half. Um, they got lucky at times. Carter just didn't have his shooting boots on, and he missed a couple of very clear opportunities. So there was a bit of fortune mixed in there with some good play from the Wellington Phoenix. Um, but uh, what we did see is a continuation of the pattern into the second half. Um, a good performance from the likes of Crave and Old, uh, in particular in that midfield, but then the reinforcements are rolled on after MacArthur equalised and the depth that the Phoenix side and the options that they can call upon is really impressive and has been very effective for Tale. Um, I, the pick of them for me was Ben Wayne. Give him an opportunity, he seems to put the ball in the back of the net and he's done so on multiple occasions this season. Three goals for him now. Yeah, he's the top scorer for the Phoenix and and going pretty well. And I mean, Jacob, uh, it's no secret that there was a, a bid in for him from a championship club out of England uh, in the off season, and the club said no. Obviously, they didn't meet the valuation. And probably for Ben Wayne, it's not a bad thing, is it? Having another season where he's pretty much maybe not guaranteed to start, but he's certainly getting uh, game time for another whole season, get another twenty odd games at this level under his belt. Yeah, and. I think that's that's right. So he's in a place where he's comfortable. Um, he's enjoying his football. Uh, the business side of football is often where that tension lies, and there obviously is a bit of tension between um, the opportunity that he's got and the club wanting him to stay until the valuation's met. We've seen the club 
uh, get real value out of the young players that have invested in Libby Kakache and Sarpreet Singh. The club uh, has been remunerated not only for the initial transfers, but they get a share of um, any compensation that's paid uh, once those players do move in those very profitable markets in Europe. So I think they've got an eye on that, and they'll be looking at any Wayne to follow in the template. Um, so you can understand why the club is being, uh, I suppose, resolute in its position. Um, the, it's, a, it's a contract. You expect the club to honour the contract, and you also expect Ben Wayne to honour the contract. So he's been given a good deal from the club, and the exit uh, needs to work for both sides. Yeah, and I'm sure it will. But uh, it's it's certainly uh, proving uh, that it's it's working really well, and you know a lot of attacking options for Ufuktala. You could put three front fours out there, and they'd all be pretty much um, you know uh, capable of being um, competitive in the A League. I tell you what, though, uh, how good was it to see uh, the Wellington Perlo, as I dubbed him, Clayton Lewis, knock one in from about 25 yards? What an absolute screamer! Um, I had the mic up. Uh, just kind of like between um, the, the desk and, um, and, my, and my face, Ricardo, and Jason Pine's obviously doing the initial call, and I think if you listen closely, you can just hear me reacting uh, in a purely emotional way. What a free kick that was. We managed to tee it up quite well in commentary because we knew what was happening. We could see that Craver won the free kick. He was quite interested in taking the, uh, the dead ball, but then Clayton Lewis had the ball under his arm, gave Crave the big... Uh, fend off and put it down and then just focused on hitting it from 25 yards out and off the crossbar, sent the yellow fever wild. Oh, man, what a what a what a strike it was! A superb that put the Phoenix two one up. They they got a third only a couple of moments later, and then really they just played on the counter and and that seemed to suit them. Uh, Macarthur uh, seemed a bit disjointed, and uh, you know, I don't know how far away Ulysses Devere is from coming back and and playing for that team, but boy, they need him. They do, and I think they're quite an imbalanced team. They're very top-heavy, so uh, it was quite easy pre-game to talk about all the stars and all the firepower that they had. Uh, Tavia, obviously, is probably the uh, jewel in the crown, but Daniel Azani, um, he did an alright job. He buzzed around at times. Uh, it was a bit of a petulant performance, though, um, because he did simulate and should have got a yellow card. He went down under no contact, and then we saw that again, not as bad, but in the second half there were instances where he was looking for free kicks or looking for something from the referee because um, he wasn't able to do what he wanted and get at this Phoenix side as regularly as he was looking for. That said, he did pop up with a really special piece of play to put in Lockie Rose for the equaliser. Um, but to your point, at the back, MacArthur is very disjointed. They are ill-disciplined, and the Phoenix, I think, manipulated them um, basically at will uh, throughout the 90 minutes. Uh, we saw them getting pulled all over the shop. Um, Zavada in particular occupied a lot of attention and that did create space for Krayev and Old out wide. I'd tell you the man that we did give um, our man of the match to, uh, which was to the Paramount and 10 network, I'm not sure if we mentioned it um, on the broadcast yesterday, was Costa Barbarousas. He didn't get on the score sheet um, but he did pop up um, and it was integral into uh, the build-up play that led to the goals. And I think that he was, that was his potentially most complete performance of the season so far. Yeah, he's looked really good, mate. He's looked really, really good, uh, it has to be said. I did see that Daniel Arzani, uh, he 
obviously for the dive in the first half, trying to get the penalty, copped a bit of stick from Yellow Fever. It's interesting that he stayed on the bench after the game. I don't know if you noticed this, Jacob, but he sat on the bench after the game and waited until the crowd had gone before he walked down the, like he refused to walk down the tunnel by the Yellow Fever, just I assume because he knew how much stick he was going to catch. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, no one wants to really front up after a result like that. And he wasn't alone. Craig Noon um, didn't do a post-match uh, interview. So um, the wonderful professional is Goran had to dance a little bit. But um, that's not what you want to see from a side. Uh, you want to see consistency. You want to see them front up when they do well and be celebrated. But when they don't do as well, they still need to um, ensure that they're giving... Um, <clears throat> a good account of themselves. And uh, uh, yeah, a little little footnote, um, he'll be back and he'll be strong next week, Azani. Um, but, uh, yeah, some stuff it seems that uh, needs to be worked on. Yeah, it does indeed. The Phoenix next week uh, have Western United, who were the champions, uh, but are currently bottom with just one point. What's going wrong there, do you think? That's the inverse of Melbourne victory last year, isn't it? Uh, mm. Victory went... Pulled up into that conversation for the the premiership. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going on. Uh, last year, I did have questions over Western. They did recruit a number of experienced A-League players, is a diplomatic way to say it. Uh, they do have, uh, I think it's the highest average age of any squad across the A-League. And the greatest discrepancy last year was when the Phoenix played against uh, Western. Um, the Phoenix put out a really young side, and, and in contrast, it made the Western side seem much older. I think this year we're seeing that age limitation really play out for Western. They're not getting those goals and able to defend leads as they did last season. And then when they are, like they did against Central Coast Mariners, um, yes, the red card didn't help, but conceding four goals, that's not a John Aloisi side that we've come to, um, come to enjoy. So... I think this break is actually going to do them wonders. It'll give them the chance to reset, recalibrate, and I think there'll be some pretty stern questions asked of the squad by John Aloisi. Um, but the first opportunity for them to bounce back will be against the Phoenix, who have their tails up and who have momentum going into this last game before the World Cup break. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Jacob, we should touch on uh, the Premier League as well. There were some big games this morning in the Premier League. Uh, one of those saw Chelsea host Arsenal and Arsenal... No, 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 no. no. Ricardo, no, 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 no. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the uh, momentous Aston Villa result, mate. Huge. <laughs> well, they got some new manager bounce, mate. You know, fair, and fair, fair play to them. Unai Emery actually managed to get a team uh, to defend. I mean, you know, when when you get your academy manager take over and they win four nil first game after you sack Steven Gerrard, and then you do this against United when you pro- have a proper manager in charge, it does cast aspersions on Gerrard's tactical nous, doesn't it? As a manager, I don't know where he's going to end up now. Mate, you could be the next uh, leader of the national party with an answer like that. We're not having you do all those somersaults, mate. We're focusing on the point at hand, and that's Man United lost three one to Aston Villa, and then to make it even better, Liverpool beat Tottenham. 2-1. Absolutely beautiful morning. What a way to start the week, Ricardo. Yeah, well, and you know, the thing, if you're a Tottenham fan, you've got to ask yourself, if, if we're serious about pushing on and having a title challenge, can we be affording to drop three points to mid-table sides like this? Now, I think the question's going to be asked of Daniel Levy, Antonio Conte, and um, to your point, uh, I think they haven't had investment in the back. I think they're really struggling. They don't have defenders um, <clears throat> of the quality that Conte has come to expect from his side. And um, unfortunately, Boris doesn't look up to the standard this year. 
uh, at times there's been a couple of head scratches and um, you can point to a number of situations where they have lost points and I think it's come down to their defence, which is a bizarre thing to say about Antonio Conte's team. It is. Uh, I, I don't know what you think about Hugo Lloris, but I've always kind of, I've never been convinced. He just looks a little bit lightweight, particularly when it comes uh, to dealing with crosses, dealing with corners, and, and they seem to, you know, he seems to have about three or four uh, big errors in him every season. I mean, I know he's won a World Cup with France, but I mean, Fraser Forster is an absolute behemoth um, and might not be able to distribute the same way Lloris does, but he's a much more solid keeper when it comes to shot stopping, coming for crosses, all of that stuff. Yeah, Foster seems to be a prototypical goalkeeper for the Premier League. Big, um, has all right distribution, uh, and then a really wonderful shot stopper, which is impressive for someone his size, how they can be at that agile and move around that sort of mass. Um, yeah, look, Lloris goes through this kind of belt. He seems to be a very um, confidence-based player, so I think he's going through one of the lulls at the moment, and he'll come out the other side. Look, when he's good, he's very good. And I think the other thing that um, we don't necessarily appreciate is that he will have a pretty good handle on the change room at Tottenham. He's been the captain there for a while now, and so you don't want to move uh, or create any change for someone of that sort of status within the team without really thinking it through. So um, maybe, again, for Conte, it's an opportunity to reset uh, during the uh, World Cup break and uh, have a look at who he needs to bring in in the January window. Uh, we also saw um, a, another sacking in the Premier League. Uh, Ralph Hassett and Hoodle, the uh, Southampton boss, got the sack after their 4-1 loss to Newcastle this morning. Chris Wood getting on the score sheet as well. Uh, it's an interesting one because it looked like they were very much in a rebuild phase. They've got a lot of very good young players and I thought he was actually doing a reasonable job like, they were playing really good football, maybe just not quite getting the results, but I'm surprised they've pulled the trigger now. It's an interesting one. Yeah, again, with the World Cup break coming up, you'd kind of back someone to make it there, give them the opportunity to reset. But this might actually be a chance for the board to have a look at things and say, actually, we want to give a new manager a bit of a pre-season, and we're a little bit anxious about being caught into that, uh, that quagmire that is, uh, the relegation fight. So um, I thought he'd done a good job. He'd um, kind of brought Southampton out of um, <clears throat> a bit of a tumble where they were heading towards the relegation zone a few years ago. And then I think it was actually developing a reasonably competitive spot for the Premier League. But there must be some concerns behind closed doors that we're not aware of. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see who ends up in that seat because there's some very good young players for them to work out. Uh, work with out there. Jacob, thanks very much, mate. I'll I'll let you go. Uh, give our best to, to Goran Paladin, your chauffeur today, and uh, we'll catch up with you again, eh? Yeah, well, thank you very much, Ricardo. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Jacob Spoonley there with us talking football. It is 18 past 10 on Mornings with Ian Smith. Up next, it's the panel. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. 23 past 10, time for the panel. Aidan McLaughlin joins us out of the Hawks Bay, having deftly avoided having to sit through a 660 concert on the weekend. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm very good, thank you, Ricardo. Yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. And uh, Ben Strang as well joins us. G'day, Ben. Kia ora, Ricardo. Kia ora. You managed to uh, sidestep 660 concert this weekend as well, I hope? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, good, good work. Good work, gentlemen. Um, all right, let's uh, let's start with the panel. And I don't think we can go past the Black Ferns as our, as our number one uh, this week because it was an absolute nail-biter 
against the French. It was a great game, one of the best of the tournament, maybe one of the best rugby games of the season, I'm hearing people say. Uh, what was your takeaway from that game, Aidan, and how many fingernails did you have left at the end of it? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, there wasn't much fuss about uh, the Black Ferns clashing with 6-6 at McLean Park this week, was there? We kind of got on with it. But, um, no, I, I did manage to watch the game, which was, which was good, and... Um, yeah, it was a really, really exciting uh, conclusion. My mother-in-law watched the game as well, and she actually said to me afterwards that she couldn't watch the end. She had to go into a different room, which I think probably summed up the feeling of a lot of people. And she kind of came back out a few minutes later expecting the French to have nailed that kick. But, um, yeah, I think I think it was it was a, just a really good occasion. Even though there was only 20-odd thousand there, only in inverted commas, um, you wouldn't have thought so by the atmosphere that we could all see on the, on the TV and if you were there. So Blackburn's... They played the way that they have been encouraged to play, which is to play with um, no inhibitions, play what you see, go for it. Was there a couple of times maybe they could have made different decisions? Absolutely. And I think that's probably something that Wayne Smith will gently uh, incorporate into the conversations this week and say, look, you know, go for it. That's the way you play. But still, there's going to be occasions in a World Cup final you might need to breathe a little bit and just think about the options in front of you and make a decision from there. But... Very exciting week ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Aidan is referring, Ben, there to, you know, four minutes to go and Kendra Coxedge, we were, we were a point up, uh, get a penalty and she decides to tap and go rather than, you know, try and wind the clock down and kick for the line out. Or, you know, is, is that just a bit of game smarts or is that following Wayne Smith's game plan to the nth degree? <laughs> it's it's hard to know because it's, it's very nervy to watch that sort of play. I mean, I, I think there is some tactical... You know, sort of look at this. They've they've figured that France are insanely good defensively. They've got a great defensive structure, so the quick tap and goes can maybe catch them off guard. But with four minutes to go, with the game so tight, maybe the timing of that wasn't amazing. Maybe they could have kicked, and I, I do know that Wayne Smith sort of suggested that maybe they could have kicked a little bit more. Um, at the same time. As Aidan mentioned, I mean, it was such an amazing game of rugby. It was rugby played the way that people probably want it to be played, uh, especially in New Zealand, just running the ball from, from everywhere, essentially. It would have been a, a less exciting game if they had kicked more and they hadn't taken all these quick taps and that sort of thing. The other, the other thing, you know, is was it helping to run France off their feet? Um, you know, tactically, I'm not sure if it was. They seem like a pretty fit side and that some of our... Players seemed a bit gassed by the end as well, so it'll be interesting to see what they do against England if they if they take those tactics on, which I, I think they will. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they probably will. It, it seems to be the way to uh, play the the more physical Northern Hemisphere sides. Just just run them off their feet. It's just about uh, trying to kill the stoppages, uh, basically. Uh, now, the, speaking of that, the All Blacks beat Wales. Uh, well, they gave them a hiding in the end, fifty five to twenty three. Um, ben, your takeaway from this? I mean, Papali played well. Cody Taylor played well. Aaron Smith wound the clock back. Uh, what what was your big takeaway? Uh, it's very promising. Uh, on the Northern Tour, but I'm just, you, you want to see the consistency now. So I, if, if they can perform in a similar way for the next two matches in the Northern Hemisphere, then I think that shows that there has been a significant improvement in the way that the team is playing and maybe a, a form uptick for some of the players. I think it has, you know, Smith definitely, um, Aaron Smith definitely wound the clock back um, with that sort of performance. Uh, but Papa Ali'i is definitely the intriguing one for me, Sam Kane obviously out um, there'd been so many calls for perhaps Sam Kane to 
be dropped for the, the captaincy to maybe go to somebody else during this horrid run of form. So it really raises the question of whether Dalton Papali'i can, can seal that spot and, and whether he is the better option in the seven jer- jersey going forward. I think there's going to be a lot of questions asked at the end of this series if these players do continue to step up. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one, isn't it, Aidan? Because if you think about the way Papali'i played, we know that uh, Luke Jacobson is is somebody that they like as well. Uh, we know that Ethan Blackadder is back next season. Um, you know, there's a few options there. It, 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 you start to look at the options around that loose trio. A Hoskins Satudu, maybe a Cullen Grace comes in. You've got Shannon Frizzell. You've got um, Akira Yuani as well. It, you do start to scratch your head and think, if you're not first choice, should you be captain? And is first is Kane uh, Sam Kane first choice if he's fit? When you look at the options that they've got. Well, for me, he's not. Dalton Papalihi, uh, I would have had as first choice before now. Um, I think that the the game on Saturday, Sunday morning, our time was his best performance in an All Blacks jersey. And I think it's probably just something we've been all waiting to happen um, because he has shown that form at super rugby level and we, we've kind of felt he's the next, the next man in line for that seven jersey. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Foster does. Foster has been... Very loyal to Sam Kane. He named Sam Kane as his captain uh, very, very early before there was any hint of a, any matches, never mind any squad announcements for the All Blacks. Uh, and he was sitting there as captain for three or four months. So he's always remained loyal to him. The question is now, how, how far do you take loyalty? Uh, at what stage does Dalton Papali's performances say enough? Um, we need to just, this is who we need to stick with. This is the best player for now. And you say to Sam Kane, OK, you, you might have a role in the squad, in the wider squad as a leader, but you're not our captain anymore. Someone else will be the captain and you will not be a, a, a guaranteed starter. So I think it's extremely interesting the next couple of weeks to see if, if Dalton Papali, I'm not sure if he's going to play this week, I think he'll definitely play against England. Can he maintain that form and really send Ian Foster into the Christmas break with some, some positive problems? Yeah, positive problems indeed. Well, there's a few of those. We'll talk more about those as we continue the panel after the latest in news and sport with Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. 28 away from 11 here on the panel. And Ben, uh, just something else that I, I think is worth a chat is about the hooking position because it feels like at the moment, the third hooker for the World Cup is very much up for grabs. Um, I've talked about it before as well, that Dane Cole's a great player, but his calves seem to be really a problem for him. He's going to be nearly 37 come the World Cup, uh, and there doesn't seem to be an out-and-out option there uh, as a third hooker. I mean, Amua's been talked about. Uh, they've taken McAllister and Bell as well up there. Uh, I think uh, the guy from Hawke's Bay, Aidan will know, whose name escapes me at the moment, also gets to go, but... I. No sign of Kurt Eklund, who did so well for the Blues, was very good for the uh, the Māori All Blacks against the Irish as well. What do you think the deal is there, and who do you think that third hooker should be? Jeez, it's, um, it's an interesting one. Yeah, Dane Coles has been such a fantastic servant in that jersey. He's kind of, um, in my opinion, he's changed the position during his career from you know, being somebody who just tried to sort of stay out of the way, do their job in the set pieces, to real attacking threat with the ball, almost like a third centre at times out near the wing. It's um, it's amazing the way he has played during his career and now you've got Cody Taylor and um, and the likes, you know, taking it to another level. It's um, Okeaho has to be the, the starting hooker for me. He's just so um, 
he's just absolutely brilliant with the ball. His, his set piece play is solid, and and um, he has to be that that top hooker. Cody Taylor will earn that that second spot, and then the third spot is yeah, it's um it's it's all up in the air. I I don't know how they they have to give somebody uh, a run out. They have to have to be looking closely at these All Blacks 15 matches to understand who's performing well. But I think it's just going to be all to play for during Super Rugby next season. Whoever steps up and has the best season, I think they're just going to have to go with them. Yeah, Aidan, I mean, for you, having a look at it, can you figure out what Kurt Eklund's done wrong and why a bloke who's the Māori All Blacks starting hooker against Ireland can't even feature in our top 60 players that are up in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment? No, I can't. But then if I look back a couple of years, then there was a very similar um, uh, situation with a certain hooker that played for the Magpies and the Highlanders for many years, wasn't it? You know, he, he never was able to break into that, that all-black squad. And I just think we're seeing something relatively similar with Kurt here. Um, for me, the hooking position, I think, I think it's almost similar. If you look at the, the halfback situation where this season we've had Aaron Smith, who's very experienced, and then we've had two... Uh, younger halfbacks um, initially until uh, until the injury, uh, which has brought uh, Brad Weber back into the, the the fold, and now TJ Paranara back into the fold. I think I think one experienced hooker out of three in a World Cup squad is enough, especially when you look at Samasoni and the fact that he is the undisputed number one. I think Cody Taylor fits in well then as the the next best, the experienced option. But for me, afterwards, I think at the moment. Uh, Amoa is going to be the one but I do agree with Ben that I think we do need to see Super Rugby play out. Um, I personally think that there's a lot of good hookers but they're all of a similar level so one manages just to to edge ahead during Super Rugby that could be the definitive uh, action there I think. Uh, The likes of Tyrone Thompson that you you referred to I think they're post-2023 I think you know we can we can look a little bit ahead for, for the likes of them, but there's still three or four in the mix. I think for next year. All right, let's uh, move on to the T20 World Cup. It's it's really given us everything, hasn't it? We've had the Proteas choking, Australia failing to make it out of the semis, the Black Caps making it to the semis. Uh, it's it's been a fantastic tournament. I'm not the biggest T20 fan to be honest. It's probably my least favourite format. But man, I've been invested in this in this World Cup. Aiden, what's what's been the moment of the World Cup for you so far? I, I, I've struggled to go past the very first black cap performance, to be honest with you, Ricardo. That that performance against Australia just really... The way they came out and set the tone for that match with Ben Allen uh, playing so well early on, it just got the Aussies on the back foot. Um, and it's actually shaped that group because of the victory, the margin of victory um, in that game. It actually has had an impact on, on all the games going forward. The Reigns played a part, obviously, as well. But who knew that it would be such a huge game for the Black Caps? And I just think that the way they played is where they need to get back to if they're going to go ahead and win the next two games, which I think they're perfectly capable of, but they need to get back to that strong start, really dictating terms to the other team, Pakistan in this case. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I think, it is, I think it is a tough semi-final. And I think, you know, if I look, Pakistan have won four of the last five T20 encounters. They had three very recently, of course. Um, so we we just don't know what Pakistan team's going to turn up, do we? Um, hopefully for the Black Caps, it's one that's slightly off. Yeah, all right. Uh, what about you, Ben? I mean, the standout moment of that T20 World Cup for you, is it like Aidan's Australia uh, getting rolled by the Black Caps so significantly in the first game? 
Yeah, I mean, as one singular moment, yeah, I think that was an astonishing performance and a, and a wonderful way to start the World Cup, and it sort of set things in motion for, you know, as Aidan said, for this pool, but also for just the games that we have seen. I, I guess before that, the um, the playing matches to the to the um, to the group stages were also just um, quite phenomenal at times. That you know, Namibia beating Sri Lanka and then not being able to escape their group. Um, the West Indies not making it out. Um, it, there's, there's been so much happening, and then since then, um, you know, it's uh, minnows getting up for wins against teams that you would never expect has been fantastic. I don't think there's been a bad game during the World Cup. We, just when you think a team is out of it, um, they'll need 60 off the last five overs or something, and they're six down. Say they they somehow get within a, a shot of winning it. You know, it's. Um, it's been quite phenomenal to watch, and it is refreshing to see South Africa decide to uh, choke uh, before they get to the semi-finals this time. <laughs> Last night was just quite quite remarkable watching the Dutch and you know New Zealand's own uh, uh, Logan Van Beek being being part of uh, part of that victory. Um, yeah, quite astonishing, really. And to be honest, Pakistan, though, they give me the heebie-jeebies. Um, it's not the match-up I would have wanted in the semi-finals. No, memories of Inzaman al-Haq haunting us. Um, yeah, it's interesting, too. I, I saw this stat. The 20th edition of Men's World Cup, so the ODI or T20, the very first time that the South Africans, the Sri Lankans, the West Indies and the Australians, none of those four teams will be there for the very first time, which I thought uh, was an interesting stat. Gentlemen, let's finish with um, Sonny Bill Williams. Uh, he decided he was going to come back uh, and box... Uh, and he took on a 48-year-old who weighed 154 kilos about three weeks ago uh, and got knocked out in the fourth round. Uh, is that him done, do you think, Ben? Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, I mean, Mark Hunt's a fighter. Um, Sonny Bill Williams is a is a rugby and league player. I, I think that's the big difference. Uh, no disrespect to the wee boxing career that Sonny Bill Williams had to, to go 10-0 or whatever it was, but... Um, Mark Hunt's fought much tougher opponents and is clearly a fighter. So, I think with with Sonny Bill Williams, he's got a um, he's got a young family who um, he adores. He's got a, a good career, it seems, in some some sports broadcasting in Australia, which I think he does a very good job at. He gets great quotes out of players. He he um, he just does a really good job at that. I don't see why you'd risk all that to to jump in the ring. I don't don't know that he needs the the money from the pay-per-views or anything like that. I'd just uh, stick to the broadcast and enjoy the family. I think um, it's got to be the way for him in the future. Yeah, it sounds like that's the way going forward. Aiden, what was your takeaway from that? Yeah, pretty similar, to be honest. I think uh, even the comments he made after the fight, you could sense uh, there's, little, excuse the pun, there's little fight left in him. I think um, he acknowledged his family, acknowledged his wife looking after the kids for the last few weeks during the build-up. Um, and he said he said himself, I'm not even sure if I will fight again. So I think w- when you start talking like that after a fight, yes, the disappointment, but if he was going to fight again, I would have expected to see a little bit more positivity out of him saying, hey, look, you know, we'll go back, we'll regroup, we'll go again. There was none of that. And I agree with Ben. I think, you know, he's got a good career there in the media. Um, yeah, I think he knows deep down himself it is time to to exit the stage. Yeah, I think so. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time this morning uh, and joining us on the panel. I really appreciate it. Go well, Ben. Cheers. I thought we were going to talk about Man United losing to Aston Villa, but that's fine. I'm uh, no, okay sorry, without that. You're breaking up there, mate. Can't hear you. <laughs> uh, and uh, Aidan, thank you as well, mate. Appreciate it.
Thanks, mate. Cheers. Go well, gentlemen. Uh, that has been the panel here on SENZ. It is uh, 18 away from 11. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Fourteen away from eleven here on SENZ. This is mornings with Ian Smith. Still to come, we'll catch up with Paulie Mawate from the TAB and Louis Herman Watt on Love Racing as well. Uh, a couple of texts come through. Uh, Brian from Christchurch has said, Ricardo, there are other rugby players in New Zealand beside the Blues. Yes, I, re- I realise that, Brian, but I was talking about hookers in particular. And if you looked at uh, the landscape around when Ireland were here you would have had to believe that Kurt Eklund was considered the fourth best option that we had there. Now we get to the end of the season tour and we've sent, what, five or six hookers overseas and he's not one of them? What's happened? Uh, interesting. Somebody else, Richard, said that his uh, Eklund's line-out throwing is terrible. Uh, he did have issues earlier in the season, but I think so did Cody Taylor um, and I think so Dane Coles has had issues as well. But if you go back to the NPC where he was playing for Bay of Plenty, he had sorted that out. His set piece was really good. The game against Canterbury in the semi-finals, I think he outplayed both uh, Brody McAllister and George Bell. So yeah, it's it's, it's not an, an Auckland thing or a Blues thing. It's just a hooking thing. And where's our next best option? A couple of other texts that have come through. Uh, Ken Ricardo, I hope the selectors stick with Papali at seven. He's very physical, and I can see him becoming an All Black captain after the World Cup. And I totally agree about Kurt Eklund. I can't understand why he's not there. Uh, hope Sam Kane becomes the next Les Elder. Absolutely no disrespect to either player. No name on that text, uh, but I appreciate it. Please. Put your name on text when you send them through so we can give you some credit. Uh, no coincidence that we won so well against Wales. No Sam Kane. Uh, cheers, Brian, again. And then uh, Captain Kane. I got them at $10 to win the Cup, uh, but one game at a time from Ed Tolliger Bay. Well done, mate. And uh, uh, we've had a bunch more texts coming through. We'll get to some of those a little bit later. You can keep them coming through on double eight double three double eight double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. When we come back, we're going to talk TAB. We're going to talk Love Racing. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> At six away from 11 here on SENZ, and uh, Louis Herman Watt joins us. Louis, uh, what time are you jumping on a on a big silver bird and flying back to the homeland? Rick dog. Could not be better timing, boy, because we Jake the snake, the intern's got me in the wagon, and we've just driven past Rick, and he's picked me up at the airport. It's a really simple 03-day scattered cloud. The track's going to be good come Wednesday, the first time we see Rick and which we're just driving past now. And we're absolutely popping off. Um, I can't wait. We're here. The city, the vibe is great for Cup and Show Week. No crowds last year, mate. So remember, people are going to be coming in droves. This is such an important time of year for the old South Island, really. Tomorrow, which will be covering live on SCNZ throughout the day with the good oil, Plato, Sappy, Mickey G and myself will be on the ground there, Eddington for the uh, harness doers, and then 
Yeah, Wednesday at Rickerton, Saturday at back at Rickerton for more gallops. And I don't know if you saw it in the, uh, on Saturday, but the 2000 guineas at Rickerton, the opening day of the carnival. Pierre, the Weatherleys, how good. Uh, I see Darren Weatherly just got a text straight away after the horse won from somebody asking if the horse looks for up for sale. He's a gelding, so he'd be very valuable in Hong Kong or Australia. And he said... Darren replied, and, and there was a photo going around of the screenshot, which said, uh, I'll be more chance of selling my wife than the horse. <laughs> Hopefully his wife doesn't see that text. All right, Louis, and have you, is there anything today that you like the look of? Uh, today, mate, it's all about recon, right? We just hit the nose in the pool today. So tomorrow, we hit the ground running. And remember, we're running a part of the club tomorrow for uh, New Zealand Trotting Cup. So... You've got to come back to the NGP for breakfast. We'll give you your code words in, and then we'll run the punter club like we do on a Saturday and a Tuesday. Special treat for SCNZ. We're big on cup work at SCNZ. I can't wait for the uh, kickoff tomorrow, mate, and um, we'll keep you updated for that. Sounds good, Louis. We'll let you go, mate. We'll let you go because you sound thirsty uh, already. So go well, mate. We'll catch up with you uh, shortly. Uh, time now to talk uh, TAB with Paul Mawati. It's been a long time between drinks, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very good. Thank you, uh, Ricardo. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good. What's big for you guys at the moment? Uh, well, I guess it's all about Cup Week down in uh, Christchurch, and uh, it's a New Zealand Trotting Cup tomorrow, uh, and we've we've found a favourite finally, uh, and it is, uh, what is it, number eight, copy that. Currently three dollars and eighty cents. Although a drifting favourite was three sixty, now out to three eighty. Uh, second line of betting, we've got number thirteen, Rock and Roll Do, the Australian, six dollars into five dollars, taking a wee bit of cash on Rock and Roll Do. Uh, do, uh, Akuda uh, is fairly solid at seven dollars. Um, Self Assured eight dollars, and Old Town Road had a couple of bets in the last. Uh, hour or so on Old Town Road, still eight dollars there. So, plenty of action uh, to be had down in uh, Canterbury, uh, the Canterbury region, uh, over the next week. And um, punters are really getting geared up for that. We've also got a UFC. Well, we've got a couple of UFC promotions. Uh, Ricardo, a bet on the Kiwis and get in their corner. Just place a pre-match head-to-head bet um, on one of the Kiwis in UFC 281. And if your bet misses. We'll refund your bet up to $50 as a bonus bet. That's pretty much a free swing. Uh, and you, if you do place a bet on UFC 281, you'll go in uh, to win one of 500 UFC 281 pay-per-view passes. Um, so uh, you can watch all of the fights free as well. So there's plenty going on there, plenty of Kiwi interest. And we have already seen a number of bets placed on Israel Adesanya. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that fight, mate. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fantastic. And I think Izzy Izzy should win this against Pereira because I mean, the last two times he fought him, they were both kickboxing, so it's different. Izzy's changed a lot now as well. And if you watch the time that Pereira he's been talking about, he knocked Izzy out. He was losing that fight. It was a hail mary from him that got got him the win. So I don't know how much uh, you can really take out of that. So I like Izzy at a dollar fifty nine. I know uh, Brian Radet he was all over that as well. Well, mate, what are the what are the big bets coming in on the uh, on the UFC for the weekend? Well, the most popular, um, I guess, a number UFC punters are usually multi-punters. They love to multi-up a number of fighters, and the Kiwis have proved very, very popular. So Israel Adesanya, no surprises. Uh, he features uh, quite prominently 
Brad Riddell also, we've seen money uh, come for him, and he is in a number of multis as well. So, yeah, if, if you look at the, if um, Carlos Olberg and all of the Kiwis win, we're in for a big hiding uh, this weekend. Not as much of a hiding as their opponents, Paulie. Thanks very much for your time. (laughs) Yeah, cheers, Ricardo. Go Go, well, mate. Go well. Paul Moati there joining us from the TAB. Make sure you uh, download the TAB app. You can watch and bet live on all your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. In the next hour, Brandy Alexander joins us. We're going to talk Rugby League World Cup and give you an opportunity to win a $50 TAB bonus bet with Stumped as well. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Three past 11 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Coming up, your chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet with Stumped. We'll do that after around half 11. We'll keep your texts rolling through as well on double eight double three. We'll talk to Greg Alexander, NRL commentator, former Kangaroo, New South Wales Blue, Penrith Panther and Warrior. Also SEN host. We'll talk to him about the Rugby League World Cup shortly. But in case you missed it, here it is. Mark Hunt finishing Sonny Bill Williams' boxing career in Australia over the weekend. He looks up at the big screen, sees there is a minute 26 remaining, and hopes and prays he can get through it. Oh, Mark Hunt going for the kill. He's head oh, There's the oh, big oh, shot. Oh, it's over. It's going to be over. My God. Hunt in his final fight stops the legend that is Sonny Bill Williams. Wow. Fighter, and you're smiling right now. Yeah, man, um, I'm smiling not because of the win over Sonny Bill, but because he's a great man in sport. But, uh, you know, I'm smiling because it's, you know, the last time I walk out to any sort of octagon ring or whatever, I, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was 30 years of combat, but it's actually 31. Um, and I want to thank everyone, you know, Australia, New Zealand, all the islands, Thank you so much for all the help with everything. My, my team, that's half of this camp, it's been hard. As an old man goes, you know. But we roll on, that's how we do. That's how we do. As an old man, that's how we do. Uh, SPW also spoke after the fight. It was, uh, it was a pretty comprehensive knockout in the end. Uh, this is what he had to say. Still no stone left unturned. Your achievements have been amazing within this sport. You've got to give credit where credit's due. You've got to take some positives away from that. Yeah, well, there's not too much positives to take from that. Um, but at the end of the day, being able to share the ring with um, a legend like Mark, it was special. Also on the card, you've seen a lot of Polynesian brothers getting a start and whatnot. So, um, but above all, for me, I'm a proud Muslim, and whatever's written for me is written for me. Whatever's not is not. So I'm, I'm very grateful, humbly. There you go, Sonny Bill Williams talking uh, post uh, that loss. Joining us now to talk uh, Rugby League World Cup is Greg Alexander. G'day, Greg, how you doing? Ricardo, going good, mate. Uh, if if you had to take the choice, mate, uh, of uh, jumping in the ring with Paul Gallon or Mark Hunt, which would you have taken? Oh, neither, but uh, if I had to make a choice. Well, well Gal beat Mark Hunt, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, and then 
the Sonny Bill Mark uh, Paul Gallon fight, which everyone wanted, uh, doesn't well. It, it, it sort of got kiboshed last week when Gal said, "This is my last fight against Justin Hodges." But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I I'd love to see the Gal Sonny Bill fight, but we I don't think we ever will now. I don't think so. To be honest, I don't think Sonny Bill really wanted it. To be honest, I mean, when there's eight million uh, on the line and you say nah 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 and put it off for a year, it makes yeah. me feel like you're waiting for the other guy to retire. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, that, that was a surprise because Mark Hunt had to lose a lot of weight to, you know, to get fit for the fight, and he did, and um, showed that he's a, obviously, he's a better puncher. He's a better boxer than Sonny Bill. Sonny Bill looked a million dollars. If you were, if you're going on looks, you know, Sonny Bill would have won the, the fight hand down, but it uh, doesn't matter how good you look, it's how, how hard you punch, and Mark Hunt threw him harder. Yeah, he did. He did, and he can he can he can wear a shot too, can't he, Greg? Yes. Uh, now we we should talk rugby league world cup, mate, because uh, the game that we we're all looking forward to, I think, out of the quarterfinals, the one we were looking forward to most was this morning, Samoa versus Tonga, and in the end, it, it proved to be that you know the team that had the better playmakers won. They matched each other up front, and and we now get to see Samoa go against England again. Yeah, Anthony Milford was man of the match. Jerome Luai, I thought prior to coming into the game, I thought that you know Jerome would provide the difference between the two teams, but it was the combination of both halves um, up against uh, Tui Lola here and uh, Isaiah Katoa. And Isaiah Katoa is, you know, he's, he's yet to play NRL. So um, a big step up for Isaiah Katoa, who I thought handled himself well. But, you know, the power game of both sides was always what we're looking to. And uh, Samoa, who have bounced back now after being beaten in their, their opening, or the opening game of the tournament, 60-6, to six, to, to make the finals. And they get another crack at, at, at England, which is, which is great. And the, the sort of play, you know, the sort of players they have and the, you know, the football that they played, I give them a chance of beating England. Well, that's the thing. I mean, from an England point of view, you, you, you're in a no-win situation, effectively, aren't you? I mean, if you if you if you win this, it's like, well, you should have. You already beaten them by sixty points, and if you lose, it's like, how do you how did you lose to them? Whereas Samoa, I mean, Matt Parrish's job's got to be pretty easy this week, isn't it? Just just pin yeah. that result to the dressing room wall and go. Well, what do you reckon? Certainly won't lack the motivation to win, will they? And and all the pressure is on the on the England side, host nation. They need to make the final for it to be a successful tournament for, for England because they are on that side of the draw. They weren't against Australia or New Zealand. So it was, it's, you know, it's theirs to lose, but and certainly that's how it will be perceived in England that, uh, you know, they can't lose this game. They, they, they beat this side 60 to 6. Surely there can't be a turnaround as big as that and see Samoa make the final of the World Cup. So, yeah, you're right. And it'll be interesting to see how England do handle that pressure. Uh, they have looked the best team throughout the World Cup, I think. The most fluent. Um, you know, the words used for the Australian and New Zealand performances so far, you would say clunky is a word that has been thrown out a fair bit mm. after the pool games and the quarterfinals uh, in regards to Australia and New Zealand's, the way they have looked with the ball. And England haven't looked like that. They their first half against PNG was was scintillating. Thirty eight nil at half time. They they clocked off in the second half, but I think team wise England have probably looked the better out of out of all of them. But when you stack them up individually, 
it's the Aussies and the Kiwis that have all the stars. And that's going to be uh, a great semi-final. But from a Kiwis point of view, uh, you know, if you're Michael Maguire, you've got to be slightly worried because things didn't go to plan against Fiji. They they really got out of sort of third gear, really, and made a lot of errors in that game. They did. Uh, I, th- I think conditions have lent to it being a little bit stop-start and scrappy and, and the fact that they have made a lot of errors. Both, you know, the two best teams are Australia and New Zealand and both teams have struggled. They play the balls, and I heard Mal Meninga talk about the Australian performance against Lebanon. It was slow, and there was really no rhythm to the game, but that's how all the Australian games have gone. Uh, the Kiwis have sort of been the same. You, you wouldn't say they've put together an 80-minute performance, and Michael Maguire at a stage in the second half last um, on the weekend must have been concerned. Like, they were down 18-6. to six. Mm. You always thought that they had enough players, enough star power to get themselves out of trouble, which they did in the end. But, you know, it came down to a decision. Was it a strip by Viliami Kikau that saw Jordan Rapiner, who finally got his kicking boots on, um, you know, kick four from five, and that might be important come the semifinal. Nathan Cleary's kicking boots deserted him against Lebanon. Um, I think only kicked one from his first four. So uh, there's a lot to go into it. Now, the Kiwis, I was surprised, you know, in terms of betting, just how how short the Australians are, and the Kiwis have blown out to over $4 in this game. But I still give the Kiwis a chance. Absolutely. Like, I, I think anything can happen in these conditions, and because it's hard to get a read on either of the teams, and because they've been so, I, I guess, individually there's been some great performances amongst both teams, but as as team-wise, you'd have to say both have been a little disappointing. So it's, I, I think it's 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 even money. I, I I think the Kiwis are a chance to beat Australia, um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's an interesting one the way that Michael Maguire set that team up because if you uh, watch the group games and things, I think the best centre that we've seen in the black jersey at this tournament's been Sebastian Chris, but he's opted for a guy who's really a second rower and. Britain Cora, and I don't know if that's uh, you know he's worried about Chris's defence or if, if if that's come into the reckoning, but I'm not sure what you make of that, Greg. Yeah, well, well, I, I think the Kiwi selection, like we, you know, we've debated here the Australian selection and who was going to get the nod uh, in the halves. Uh, the centre position was up for grabs. Jack White, and looks like he's won that with Val Holmes pushing out to the wing. The back row situation: Crichton and Angus Crichton and Liam Martin won the race. Cameron Murray was picked on the bench. Isaiah Yo at the back of the scrum. But I think the Kiwis are, are the same. Um, Maguire's got a number of options, and the centre combination has been—I think it's been different for every game for the Kiwis. Um, Charles Nickel Clockstad started on the weekend with Peter Petahiku. Britt Nakora's played in the centres. You're right, Seb Chris is a centre. Um, and and has had a game there. But, um, yeah, I don't know what the best combination in the centres is. He seems to be locked into Petahiku, and uh, there's no problem there. But who partners Hiku is is up for grabs. Um, and then there's front row and second row positions, I think, debatable with the Kiwis. You've got so many strong front rowers. Um, Moses Leota. I don't, I don't know whether Moses is injured, but Moses would be in my side mm. after his grand final performance and his performance against South in the, in the semifinals. Jared will come back in. Does he start? I think, you know, he got to start with Jared. You got to, you got to roll the dice and play some, you know, put some heat in there. And, you know, as long as Jared can stay on the field, I, I think Jared starts against the Aussies. James Fisher-Harris, Nelson 
in the back row. Maybe Isaiah Papali starts in the back row. And maybe not Kenny Bromwich. I, I don't know with whether the Bromwich brothers... Um, I, I, I don't know whether I'd have them in my starting side. They, one might be coming off the bench, and Jesse's the, the captain of the side, so I guess he does start. But I don't, I don't know if he, he gets in front of some the four of the, the, the Kiwi front rowers. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that's the one place that before the tournament everybody was saying that they thought the Kiwis had it on the Kangaroos was the forward pack. Are you, are you still there? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yep. S- still got your... Yeah, no, I mean, are you still thinking that you, that the Kiwis have got a better forward pack after seeing, you know, uh, through the quarterfinals? Well, it, it's it's nip and tuck. I don't think there's much between them. Like, you know, Tarpany, Fisher-Harris were the best front rowers in the NRL right throughout the season. Um and then, you know, Isaac Liu, he doesn't get a spot in my starting, in my 17. Um, so I, I still think, yeah, there's not much between the, the, the forwards. Yeah, it's not much. Uh, in, with the Aussies. Yeah, not much in there at all. What about from an Australian point of view? They've, they've mixed and matched a wee bit. They've gone with, uh, with Cleary and, and Munster. Um, you, do you expect uh, DCE to still be the 14? No, no. I think Ben Hunt will be the Ben Hunt's the ideal fourteen cover for the halves, and I think Ben Hunt starts it. Actually, I think Ben Hunt starts at hooker. Uh, I would start with Ben Hunt, who is probably stronger defensively than Harry Grant. Ben Hunt is a, a very good defender, so I'd start with Ben Hunt, bring Harry off the bench, and that's where Harry's done most of the damage, and that's how the Queensland Origin side went. And I, I don't think there's any reason to change that combination up. Hunt starts, Grant off the bench, and when the defence sort of softens up a little bit, Harry Grant can make more of a mark. Uh, I don't think the side changes otherwise. I think Jack Whiten stays in the centres with Luttrell on the other side. Val Holmes and Fox on the wing. Cleary and Munster in the halves, and I don't think the back row changes. So um, Jake Trebojevic probably starts with Tino. There's, you know, maybe the front row could change. Regan Campbell-Gillard, who I know... Uh, Mal is a big fan of Reg, missed the game because of a cork thigh, so maybe Reg comes into the side somewhere, whether he starts or comes off the bench. I, th- I think they're the only changes. Maybe Hunt and and Campbell Gillard into the side that didn't uh, that uh, that played against Lebanon. Uh, otherwise, those combinations stay the same. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up. Particularly, I mean, I think if you're Michael Maguire, you 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 know, the the big thing if you look at that Australian lineup is Latrell Mitchell in the centres, and how do you stop him, right? Uh yeah, that's that's right. Um, yeah, so so whoever whoever marks up against, and it probably will be, um, I think Peter Hiku's been playing on the left, uh, mm. or yeah, it depends which way he wants to go. Whoever's marking Latrell has got to, yeah, it's a handful. There's no doubt, uh, but they're they're used to it. They're, you know they they play against him in the NRL, so they they know what he's about. So it'll, it'll be no surprise. It's just stopping him. That's that's the that's the challenge. You know what he's going to do. Um, uh, it's just uh, executing that defensively uh, to stop Latrell, which is a handful. Yeah, I mean, and that's I think from a Kiwi point of view, a little bit of a worry about Peter Hicku. Um, you know, when he was playing here at the Warriors defensively, he was a bit suspect playing in the centres as well. So I mean. Like you said, he's been the one consistent uh, thing through the the Kiwis uh, campaign so far. As as Peter Hicku in the centres paired with different people, uh, mm. do you see that? Do you see Madge changing that for this game? Uh, I don't. I know. I think Peter Hicku. It, it will be interesting to see who he starts. Yeah, does Seb Crisker to start? Uh, does he go with 
uh, Chance Nickel Klockstad, who started there. Britton Nakora, who played who played in the centres in one of the pool games. Does he start? Uh, I'd have Nakora starting in the back row along with um, Isaiah Papali. That'd be my strongest mm. back row for the Kiwis. But um, and then Tarpany at the back of the scrum. So you're, you're playing with three front rowers to start the game, and you've got your choice of front row rotation because they're so strong. Uh, there's still the firepower, I think, in the Kiwis, Jerome and. But as long as it's it's whichever side can play with some rhythm and get a roll on and, and control the ball, conditions have been very difficult. They've been playing, you know, wet weather footy, very slippery. So controlling the ball, getting that roll on, the Kiwis, you know, providing a bit of space for Jerome Hughes and Dylan Brown uh, and Joey Manu. That's the key. Um, Manu, again, was, was very good in, while he... His moments weren't brilliant like we've seen throughout the tournament. Joey just kept doing what Joey does and getting involved in the game and creating chances, scoring a try uh, against Fiji uh, where it was a battle. But Joey's uh, been super impressive at fullback. So it's it's just whether, um, you know, the forwards and you can control the ball and cut the error rate down. That That's what killed the Kiwis on the weekend and kept Fiji in the game. Mm, yeah, I mean, that is going to be a big work on you would imagine during the week. Uh, all right, Greg, before we let you go, matey, what, what's your prediction for the final? Uh, well, I think Australia will knock off the, uh, the Kiwis, and I, I I don't know which way I'm going. I, I I think Samoa can reverse it against England, but I've, I've just been Im- impressed with England and how they've played and, you know, the continuity they've played with and the combinations have all come together very quickly, so... Uh, although I hope Samoa get England, um, I think England might 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 roll them. So that would set up a final of, of England up against Australia at Old Trafford, which uh, would be great to see the home nation there, the host nation play in the final, and I think they'll play the Australians. But both could be swapped. Samoa might win, and the Kiwis are certainly a chance to beat Australia. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, looking forward to those semi-finals. Thanks very much for your time, Greg. We'll let you go, mate, uh, and prep for the big show tomorrow morning. Yeah, good on you, Ricardo. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Good yeah, good to chat. Greg Alexander there with us, SEN host, of course. Uh, he does the show with Vossi uh, over on SEN in Sydney and, uh, of course, has played for a whole bunch of teams, including our very own Warriors. John has joined us on 0800 150 811. G'day, John. How are you doing? Yeah, g'day, mate. Uh, another good conversation. With uh, one of the greats, one of the greats. Yeah, he's um, a good man. See, yeah, he is, definitely. I did see um, in the paper there, Tedesco saying that, you know, obviously they they don't really rate the Kiwis as much as probably the media do. Um, I think he said, you know, we're the number one team. We see it that, that way. And, and fair enough, they look like the number one team at the moment. I think the only thing that can trip up the, uh, the, the kangaroos here is if New Zealand offload. And as as you've seen, um, when we do beat Australia, we tend to go away from that structured game plan and probably offload and run it on the last tackle. I haven't seen once the Kiwis run it on the last tackle yet. Um, we, we've got to think out, outside of the box because if we just play, you know, that structured footy, um, that's easy. That's easy for the kangaroos to gobble up, mm. you know. Go back to our, what and, our natural strengths are. Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly, but I totally agree with um, with what he said about starting Nakora and Papali'i in the back row. There, um, they're awesome on the edges. I think Kenny Bromwich is probably better suited to the bench. Um, and then, like I was saying this morning, uh, 
Um, I think Moses Leota should start. Mm-hmm. But then again, Bromwich is the captain. But, you know, you can captain from the bench. It has been done before. Yeah, well, I mean, um, if you, you start with that Panthers front row combination, right? And then you can bring, um, you know, uh, Jared Warrior Hargreaves and, and Kenny off the bench. I mean, that's a great rotation. Yeah, exactly, mate. And, but, you know, Madge has, has to say to these players, you've got the first 20 to start. I want you to run as hard as you can into these blokes and just make a dent into that kangaroo's, um, that kangaroo's middle, send it out to our backs and see what they can do with it. I'd love to see it, mate. What's your pick for the final? Oh, mate, I'm feeling optimistic. I think the Kiwis might upset here. I really do. Yeah, cool. I think it's made. I think it's made for them to upset the Kangaroos. I mean, all the talks about Australia and England. England probably look the best team so far. It's their conditions. It's their home grounds. Um, unfortunately, they're probably going to beat Samoa. Probably just two points. I think the Kiwis might get up by about four. Yeah, all right. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully you back that in and it comes off, mate. Good stuff, John. Thanks very much for your call. Cheers. Cheers. Go well. Uh, 0800 150 811 is our number. It is 11.23 here on SENZ Morning with Ian Smith. We'll be back with calls and texts next. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.28 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Paul with you. A few texts have come through on double eight double three. This one from Eden. I like this, Eden. Uh, morning, lads. How's this for a multi? Black Ferns 1-12 over England. Kiwis head-to-head against the Kangaroos. The All Blacks 13-plus against Scotland. And the Black Caps to beat Pakistan. You multi those together, it's paying $42. That's not bad. Sounds like someone's done the show multi for us. Yeah, exactly. We'll just hold, <laughs> we'll hold on to that. Thank you, Eden. Uh, Ed from Tolliga Bay is also called through. G'day, Ed. How you doing? Rick Dog. Can I call you Rick Dog? You can call me whatever you like, mate. Just don't call me late for dinner. That's what I always used to say. <laughs> bro, I reckon the Kiwis, they got a good shot, bro, because I'll win 500 bucks on my multis if they just make the final. Wow. But, uh, uh, yeah, even for that, though, I mean... Come back against BG, they were down. Wow, you know, that's that's the way you want to get into a game before you hit Australia. You don't want to thrash anybody, you want to have a hard out, you know. Hard yeah, out game. You want a hard game, you want a test, mate. I mean, I, I was a bit yeah. worried about the amount of errors they made, though. Do you reckon uh, they'll sort that out before the well, weekend? Well, they had only, um, wasn't it like a couple of minutes to win that game or something? Boy, it was a bit of how, how good to work it out like that. <laughs> Mate, they went, they went, they they got it done in the end. It wasn't exactly convincing, yeah. but I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, uh, looking I forward mean, to seeing how they go this weekend against the uh, Kangaroos, though. Oh yeah, man. You know, well, you know, we've been talking about our boys have got the best um, front row in the whole competition. Well, let's see it, man. And we got those halves. Let's get in behind them. And, and um, well, uh, I, I hope that Kiwis can do it, bro. You, uh, you know, I hope they can do it, bro. I, I'm backing them to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I hope they can do it too, Ed. Thanks for your call, bud. You're welcome. All right, Ed from Tolliga Bay there with us. He called us on 0800 150 You could do the same, 0800 150 because it is nearly time to play Stumped. If you want to win yourself a TAB bonus bet, $50 TAB bonus bet, then give us a call now, 0800 150 811. We're going to play Stumped after the latest in news and sport with Aroha. 
Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's a new week here on SNZ and Morning Show with Ian Smith. Of course, Ricardo Ball filling in quite nicely while Smithy is way on T20 World Cup duty. It's time for Stumped. It's one of our favourite favorite times of the day, isn't it, Ricardo? Where potentially we either give away a $50 TAB bonus bet or you jackpot it. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, well, maybe. be nice if I could defend it today and stump a few people because <laughs> it'd be good to give away a $100 one tomorrow for Cup Week, right? That would, yeah, that would be really good. That would be really good. I mean, it's a great morning so far already. I mean, just here in the studio, one TV, I've got my Toronto Maple Leafs on ESPN 1, and then the LA Rams, my football team on ESPN 2. So, plus, you know, that great Wellington Phoenix win against McCarthy FC, that was so good to watch. Plus, being in the studio with you guys, it's not too bad. It's all right. Great start to the weekend. Of course, Ben from Christchurch coming up to the cruise. Coming, mate. How you doing? Hey, hey, going well. How are you? Yeah, great, mate. You ready to play some Stumped? I'm ready. I'm ready. Nice. All right. I'll give you categories. You've got the New Zealand Breakers, rugby, and it's all about the All Blacks, and the World Series. Uh, I might go the Breakers. Oh, yeah. All right. Good luck to you. How are you on your breakers here, Ricardo? Um, probably not as sharp as it could be, so you might be in for one here. We'll see how we go. All right, first question for you, Ben. <clears throat> Heading into round six, the New Zealand breakers were sitting on top of the league ladder. What year were they last leading the ANBL? Um, Maybe 2017. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ricardo. Uh, I am thinking, he's, I don't think he's far away. I think it's, it's, it's pre this ownership group, though, so I'm going to go 2018. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, unlucky Ben from Christchurch. That is correct. 2018, back in round 11, so... It's been a while, it's been a while. Uh, but coming next at the crease, we've got Jade from Hamilton. Hey boys, how are we? Yeah, good mate, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you mate. How are you on your breakers? <laughs> Probably, yeah, average, below. Average, below, alright, below average. We'll see how you go. Second question. Those Sydney Kings are back to being on top of the league after beating the Breakers 81-17 at Spark Arena over the weekend. How many road games have the Kings won now in a row? Three. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ricardo, have you been paying attention? Not to the Sydney Kings, I haven't. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say five. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. All right. Listen to me, everyone. This might blow your mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. The correct answer I'm looking for is 17. Wow. 17 road wins in a row. Perhaps that's why they're the champions. All right. Last question for you, Ben. Not Ben. Sorry, Ben. You're out. Jade. Uh, Who is leading the breakers in points per game so far this season? Oh. 
I only know Abercrombie. <laughs> I'll take that as your answer. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Boy, Abercrombie's uh, only just started playing again. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember his first name. I can't remember his first name, but he's one of the imports of Brown. Can you give me just a little bit more? I'm trying to. I, like, I, I won't. I won't turn this into a theatre to uh, debacle. <laughs> I promise you. But I just. I just need a little bit more. Either the rest of a name. The rest of the name is it? I, I don't think this is right. We're going to say Balin Brown. Was it Jalen? <laughs> Something like that. It's one of those. Oh, <laughs> uh, look. I, I might have to converge um, with my other producer here, Brian. Do you think that is possible when he just said Brown? The goal is good, it stands. Oh, there we go. Oh, there you go. We went to the TMO. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know how much we all love to blame the TMO, so not my fault. (laughs) You can put it on Brian. Uh, Yes, no, the correct answer is Barry Brown Jr. Barry Brown, there you go. I'll I'll give it to you, mate. I'm going to respect the TMO's decision here, Uh so it does mean... We jackpot for New Zealand Cup Day tomorrow, 100 bucks. So unlucky to you, Jay, but thanks for playing. No worries, mate. Cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. Uh, tomorrow, there you go, $100 TAB. Um, bonus bit up for grabs for Stumped. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done it. Like, basketball players are never called Barry. That's why I was, I was going, it's B, but it's something, uh, yeah, it's something weird. Yeah, at least you didn't make the mistake of calling him Bobby Brown Jr. in an interview like I did once. Oh, whoops. Yeah, I know, that was a slip of the tongue, wasn't it? Um, yeah, never doing that again. Uh, no, Barry Brown Jr., I like the way your mind works. You were thinking of um, Jarrell Brantley. There you go. Yeah. I was too. No, Barry Brown Jr., he's second in the league with 21.33, only ahead of him, of course, from Perth, Bryce Cotton with 21.44. So he's right up there. Yeah, and Breakers doing really well this season. When's the next game, Lokes? When, when are they? When we can go? Uh, we can go see them again. Uh, unfortunately, going to have to wait uh, a little while, a week, where NBL has now gone into the fever break. So we're actually going to have two Tall Blacks games uh, this week. They're heading to the Middle East, I believe, and they're going to be playing against Lebanon and Jordan. Oh, those part are two of the, tough games. Yeah, part of the World Cup qualifiers. They've done okay against Jordan, so I'm, I'm hoping uh, we'll get some good results this week. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. There you go. That is uh, stumped for today. $100 TAB voucher up for grabs for you tomorrow. We are 21 away from midday. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Sixteen away from midday here on SENZ. It is mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy as he is away at the uh, Cricket World Cup, and of course uh, New Zealand the Black Caps play Pakistan in Sydney on Wednesday night. Looking forward to that one. Uh, plenty of texts come through as well, talking the league, talking the cricket, and a few other things. Uh, this one from Greg. Uh, the guy going on before about Dane Coles must have a short memory. It was Sean Fitzpatrick that completely revolutionised the hooking role. Still the best we've ever had, and I'm not even an Aucklander. That one from Greg. Thanks for your text, Greg. Uh, 
Henry says Eklund got it wrong in the biggest pressure game he he would have played that Super Rugby final. If he can't handle that, how's he going to handle All Black pressure? That final has cost him. Yeah, maybe. But do you do you write one guy off off one game? Uh, that's that's a question. But oh yeah, appreciate your text, Henry, and his good thoughts. He didn't he didn't perform well in that final, and maybe that has impacted. Uh, Chris from Carpety is poking a pin in our balloon and saying he feels there's going to be a lot of New Zealand teams losing this weekend. Uh, he hasn't said who. The All Blacks going to lose to Scotland, do you think? Is that what you're talking about? I'm not sure. Uh, morning, lads. How's this? Oh, we did the, we did the multi. I'll take that out of there from Eden. It's a good multi, though. Um, why don't the Kiwis play Joey Manu at centre? Clockstead is a fullback who's coming to the Warriors. Joey to Mark Luttrell. And he's going to test that Aussie backline if he gets space and spots a gap. That one from Rory. Yeah, that's that's a point, Rory. Although I think he'll get more space at fullback than he will at centre. And maybe that is uh, the reason why he is being played there by by Madge. So, yeah, something to think about, though. Definitely something to think about. Can you get your thoughts on those and other things? 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Who do you think the Black Caps will meet in the final if they can get past Pakistan? That England-India game is going to be a great game to watch, particularly as a neutral. It's going to be played in Adelaide. I mentioned earlier the games yesterday where there were three of them, and there weren't a heap of runs in that, in that pitch at Adelaide. They'll probably be using a different deck, but you would imagine it would be similar. Um, and it, uh, it feels to me like that that probably goes in India's favour slightly, but keen to get your thoughts. So you let us know. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine, or you can call us on 0800 150 Eight eleven oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Then of course we do have the Kiwis coming up against the Kangaroos in a rugby league World Cup semi final. That is going to be tough, particularly given what we saw against Fiji. Uh, I think it was Ed said it was good to to get a run out against a decent team who tested us rather than just wallop someone. I get that point. I like that point. But we did make a lot of errors. We need to cut those errors out because uh, we won't get out of jail against Australia if we're adding six down. I don't think. Yeah, how did you feel about um, Brandy basically saying, you know, the Aussies are gonna gonna beat us? Well, he's an Australian, um, so <laughs> it didn't surprise me at all, uh, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, he was considered. He still thinks we've we got a superior forward pack, but he, I think, he just thinks that uh, Mel's probably a better coach. Yeah. Um, and you know, you've got Latrell Mitchell, you've got James Tedesco. You got Cameron Munster. Uh, you got Nathan Cleary, who's won the premiership at, at halfback as well. I mean, they have a very, very good backline. Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong there. And I mean, you know, a lot of the pundits uh, across the ditch were labeling the Kiwis as the favourites. But I guess this is the real showdown. And I think for a lot of people, this is the World Cup, is seeing the Kiwis play the Kangaroos. Really looking forward to that one. Like you said, a lot of errors there against the Fiji Bati. I was watching that one there on Spark Sport, and, I mean, they have some incredible players, the Fiji Bati, some game breakers. Uh, Mike Acebo is one of my favorite players. I'm not just saying that because I know you're a Parramatta Eels fan. I do really enjoy watching it, but there were just there's just moments where you knew they should have taken the game and they didn't and now there's going to be that whole question mark about whether or not the bunker handed the win to New Zealand yeah and i i to be honest i probably side with brandy on that i i don't think it was a strip you know i i think you can have your hand on the ball and not be stripping the ball and it was actually the momentum of nickel clockstead that pulled the ball out rather than the fijian player's arm I, that's what I think. Uh, when I looked at it in slow motion, they were going to the bunker. I was like, oh, uh, they're not going to give this. 
that was my thought. You know, I was just like, I don't think they're going to give this. But, yeah, they did, and that went our favour. And then, luckily for us, Jordan Rapana scored in the corner uh, late on to really seal it. So uh, that, that really took it out of the equation in the end. Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to, uh, I mean, with that semi-final, Saturday, 8.45am, what a great start to the weekend. The fullback matchup between Tedesco and, I assume, Joey Manu. Mm. Any Sydney Roosters fans there are going to be looking forward to that one. Yeah, no, it's going to be fantastic. And then, uh, you know, the Poms and Samar on the other side of it. Samar will be looking for some revenge after that 60-6 to hiding they took in the first game. That's going to be a great game as well. And, uh, you know, I think... It's it's really good that to to have that all available uh, for us to watch this weekend on Spark Sport as well. Um, that's where all the Rugby League World Cup coverage is, and good to see the Kiwi Ferns get a win this morning over the Cooks as well. They've got a man. They've got a tough assignment. They've also got uh, the Gillaroos in their pool too. So uh, there's a lot of work to be done there, uh, and we'll talk a bit more about that coming through uh, the week as well. The Women's Rugby League World Cup. It is 10 away from midday here on SENZ. When we come back, Mark Stafford joins us to find out what's on afternoons. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.